Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awijan. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. We are back once again for the annual Megasode. That's right, State of the Vikings 2018. Yes, sir, the big project, the Megasode, the show that I <laughs> record the segments on different days. Yeah, yep, yeah. piecing things together for quality purposes, making things as good as possible, or at least I would believe they'll be as good as possible. The first segment, of course, will put a purple bow on a pretty good, pretty good 2017 season. The second segment will be kind of moving forward a bit into 2018, looking a bit at free agency and, of course, very briefly at the draft. Free agency a bit more, and segment number three will be all about you guys. Yep, the listeners. Of course, there'll be fan interaction, but then we'll wrap up with the amazing awards and the first ever Purple Mafia Hall of Fame class. There will be six members. Some of you already know the secret. Some of you don't. So, (laughs) some of you don't. And, yep, uh, six inductees this year. There'll be four in the future. And those of you that might not get in this year, I'm guaranteeing you're getting in at some point. In fact, some of you, it's like almost 100% chance you'll be in the 2019 class. But, uh, yeah. The Purple Mafia Hall of Fame has started. I feel it's time to do it because this show has been around for 10 years, and some of you have been around for the better part of those 10 years. Uh, One or two of you have been around at least nine, so that's pretty amazing, at least nine, maybe all the way back to episode number one, and I appreciate every one of you so, so very much, and it's time to at least recognize you. Uh, I (laughs) wish I had prizes to give out this and that, and but, you know, Maybe someday I will. Uh, I need a little better salary, though, to get things going. (laughs) Don't we all, right? So that's kind of the story there. So let's start working on that purple bow here. Let's start working on it as what a fantastic 2017 season. What a fantastic season, indeed. Unfortunately, a lot of us have recency on our minds, and that's kind of what tends to reign supreme, a 38-7 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. But we'll try not to talk about that too much. Uh, Of course, the preseason was what it was. No major injuries this time, particularly in training camp. God forbid, Teddy Bridgewater still recovering. You get to see the captain C on Sam Bradford's jersey. And my God, does he look sharp. He looks like he's ready to roll. Things turned out so, so positive. September 11th, yep, we recognize 9-11 on that day, of course. A lot of uh, season openers have been on 9-11. 29-19 throttling of the New Orleans Saints, you saw uh, Adrian Peterson frustrated on the sidelines. Little did we know how <laughs> how good of a team the New Orleans Saints would be. We were all, oh gosh, you know, look at Adrian. Look, he's on this this mediocre team, and he's frustrated. And look at the Vikings are better than the Saints now. And nan nan a boo boo. Sam Bradford did this. Sam Bradford did that. Adrian Peterson's giving uh, Sean Payton the death stare. Run the ball up their ass is basically what he told Sean Payton. And Sean Payton just kind of looked and, and just kind of went about his business like, yeah, really? He, he said something? Okay. Uh-huh. All right. And that's kind of Sean Payton in a nutshell there. Uh, <laughs> the Saints did what they did. They scored their 19 points, but Sam Bradford was just, you know, look what happens when you have an offensive line in front of you. The offensive line did their job. You have Riley Reef. You have... You have Remmers. I mean, oh my. Um, it's so exciting. Uh, Remmers, imperfect, but not bad. Uh, you still got Berger. They bring in Pat Elfline and, of course, uh, Nick Easton as well. Man, you, you got yourself an offensive line here. They're looking good. Look what happens when you protect Sam Bradford. He's not checked down Charlie. He looks a little bit more like uh, a better quarterback. I, I don't even know who to compare him to at this point, but a much better quarterback. 
And little did we know what would take place in just a couple days. Like two or three days later, you talk about the bone bruise in the femur area, something like that in the thigh. And it's like, bone bruise in the thigh. And that's kind of on the same knee where he had the ACL surgery twice. Uh, first one was contact, second was non-contact with the St. Louis Rams years later. Not the Los Angeles Rams, of course. Um, and then he had shoulder, shoulder injury a little bit with the Philadelphia Eagles years later. Philadelphia Eagles, Bradford and Shermer and all that. Shermer's first year as the uh, full-time offensive coordinator, not part, not, not not half of the year, but the whole year. Training camp, all that. Sam Bradford's first full training camp with the Vikings. Everything's so positive. And then you're talking about bone bruises and it's related to the surgeries in the past. But, well, you know, hopefully he'll be okay. And he can't play against Pittsburgh. And we signed this guy named Case Keenum who, yeah, he looked kind of icky. Kind of icky out there. Teddy Bridgewater's not available. You have a guy named Kyle Sloter hanging around. Uh, what the hell? Uh, this didn't look good. A 26-9 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Case Keenum looks like he looks like a backup quarterback. The Steelers are a Super Bowl contender every bleeping year. They'll probably play the Patriots in the AFC title game. Oh, wait, they didn't, but a lot of us pretty much assumed they might. Of course, this year was, was uh, riled with a lot of uh, frustrating kneel downs and politics and politics and politics and politics, just like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and and uh, Laura Ingram. Politics, politics, politics. Where's the sports? Let's just enjoy some sports once in a while. There's a time for politics. Go ahead and watch this channel or that channel, this and that. You know what channels they might be. And that's your right to do that. And you know, Or listen to InfoWars. That's another right to do as well. Wink, wink. Um, you don't have to agree at all. But there's a time for that. And why can't we just enjoy sports a little bit? Wouldn't that be nice? But no, we just can't do it. we got to slam politics through sports too. And that's why the viewership is down, this and that. And things were starting to go on with Pittsburgh. But they sure pounded the crap out of the Vikings. At least, uh, But Pittsburgh later on in the season would have their little drop off. And shame on me for even bringing that whole political thing into the show. That's my apology there. But a horse crap game. Case Keenum looks like a backup. Oh, but by the way, we forgot about the rookie. <laughs> we forgot about the rookie. Mr. Cook. Mr. Cook, indeed. Um, how could you not be excited about his future? He looked very, very good against the New Orleans Saints. Also solid against the Steelers. Still got a 5.3 carry. 5.3 uh, carry average. 60, 64 yards in this game. Delvin Cook, of course. Um he was the only positive pretty much in the game. The Vikings' defense didn't look so good. And, of course, Case Keenum's first game as a Viking looked like the backup quarterback he was with the Rams. Um, well, he didn't turn the ball over, but way below uh, completion percentage average. Yucky passes, this and that, and the Vikings got hammered by the Steelers. Little did we know how things would improve in the coming weeks. And then, of course, you hear the positivity. The Coast Guard, you know, Case Keenum's always beaten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Vikings creamed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers September the 24th, 34-17. Again, I don't want to drag this out too long, but it's fun to kind of go over the season again a bit. Again, not going to go ape bleep on it. Tampa Bay, the team I had picked to win the NFC. Not the Philadelphia Eagles or the Vikings or anything. This Philadelphia team was winning every game over there. But, well, you know, they're off to a good start. and They look pretty solid. You know, little did we know just how great that team would end up becoming. Wow. And how great that team already was, apparently. Little did we know. Little did we know what a stupid, stupid, stupid prediction it was. Picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, when I brag about, man, I picked the champion and I had a 16-0 playoffs a couple years ago in the 2014 postseason. 2014 season, but again, the 2015, you know, as you head into the uh, postseason. 
I was 16-0 and that year, picking the Patriots versus Seahawks. The Patriots ended up uh, stealing the ball away. Mel- uh, Malcolm Butler, the guy who didn't even get to play against Philadelphia, you think that might have made a difference in the game, just a tiny bit, especially a game that was that close and lacking in defense. Maybe a little help there, a little help, but it uh, didn't happen. Um, yeah, I brag about that, but then <laughs> I, I man up to this. Tampa Bay and, and the Oakland Raiders rematch of the 2002 Super Bowl, and, well, what did you get? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what you got. I mean, great, Joe. Great pick there, hey? Great pick there, hey? Good pick there, Joe. You know, I think you were a little bit uh, gassed on that call there, Joe. There, you know, uh, there, that didn't work out there. But a 34-17 win, the Coast Guard is what I called him at the time. Case Keenum was a Coast Guard indeed. Beating up on those Buccaneers as uh, the Coast Guard arrested the Buccaneers. Those pirates weren't going to weren't gonna loot the Vikings this time. Of course, the Vikings were kind of pirates too in the past. But, uh, you know, we had the Coast Guard as the quarterback. And that was nice and positive. And he was excellent, almost 400 yards. And then we started hearing about his incredible college career. That's when he first started really hearing this, the background story about Case Keenum. 76%, almost 400 yards, three touchdowns, quarterback rating in the moon, 142 Ah, what a fun day. Just everything is positive. All is right with the Vikings. We won't say the world. I'm not going to make that. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not Dan Deardorff with that one. As a war was starting, he's like, all is right with the world. <laughs> I love football. Love it. But there's more to life than football. But let's enjoy football while it's here. Uh, Delvin Cook also 97 yards. Just a rookie phenom, of course. I mean, and just the rushing. The rushing isn't the whole story with Delvin Cook, of course. A unbelievable receiving uh Running back 72 yards, a 36-yard scamper along the way. Stefan Diggs just explodes. Great uh, chemistry with Case Keenum. And just in general, Adam Zeeland emerging as a superstar during the course of the season as well. He had about 100 yards in the game. Wow, everything is great. We feel so good. And then the Detroit Lions come to town. For some reason, the Vikings struggling with Detroit. It's the same old story. Can't get Stafford when you need to. Low-scoring game. Black and blue division. You know, blue and purple. Perfect colors for bruises. And that's kind of what division this is becoming. And Detroit reclaims the NFC North lead. Or at least kind of, sort of, as Green Bay is also way up there as well. Green Bay was actually looking great as well. And Delvin Cook, well, he started out positively. And next thing you know, his knee buckles. Non-contact, but... It's not because there's anything wrong with his knee. It's just the awkward placing and the cleat kind of got stuck and and snappity, snappity. And yeah, wow. Case Keenum played like crud in the game, incomplete. He looked just like he did against Pittsburgh. And it's like, okay, is Sam Bradford healthy now? Can, can Sam come back? Can Sam please come back? Keenum looks like crap. Terrible. And I even tweeted out, rest in peace, 2017 season with Dalvin Cook out for the year. It was heartbreaking, devastating. At first, I didn't know it was necessarily an ACL, but once it came out, it was like R.I.P. And then Sam Bradford comes back. Bradford's back. Okay, I feel better now. And it's Twins versus Chicago White Sox in in a Chicago stadium. Not Chicago Stadium, but Soldier Field. It's Twins versus White Sox. What kind of freaking game is this? Three to two? Where's Torrey Hunter? Where's uh, Where's Maglio Ordonez? What the hell is this? Three to two? Well, at least we're winning. <laughs> and Sam Bradford looked like he needed a walker. I mean, are you kidding? Especially with the safety in the first uh, period there, first quarter. What the hell? Uh, but Kai Forbath at least made a 26-yarder. Vikings almost got in the end zone. Okay, uh, Sam Bradford, though, replaced after the first half. Not because he was just the worst quarterback ever, because he looked like crippled 
absolutely crippled. Like, what are you going to do? Very interesting. Um, just, whew, what do you do? And then Case Keenum comes out, starts looking like a world beater, kicks some butt, 14 points on the board for the Vikings in the third quarter, ultimately a 20-17 to 17 win. The Vikings survive what could have been a disaster. You're losing in Chicago. You do not want to do that, even though the Vikings have done it many times. Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray getting more snaps. McKinnon, 95 yards in the game. Awesome. Great feeling. And things feel a little bit better. The Vikings move up. And then you get the bye week, blah, blah, blah. Okay, maybe Bradford will heal. Nah, forget Bradford. Keenum's the quarterback for now, and hopefully we can wait on Teddy Bridgewater coming back. But yeah, Bridgie, Bridgie will be back, though, maybe by the Washington game or the Rams game, something like that. But Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the quarterback. We all love him. Uh, we know the coaching staff loves him. And next thing you know, the Vikings go on a massive winning streak, and things change forever, at least for this season. And into the offseason, the quarterback conversation, we'll talk about that in segment number two. And then you get the game that changed the season forever. The Vikings end up stomping Green Bay because, well, their backup quarterback was in because uh, <laughs> Anthony Barr did a little crunch job on uh, Aaron Rodgers, plastering uh, Aaron Rodgers into the turf. It was a clean hit. Rodgers disagrees, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I mean, for really, ultimately, it was bad luck. Uh, broken collarbone for Aaron Rodgers, the second one in his career. This one, believe it or not, yeah, this one was also on the throwing arm. The last one was, and you figure, okay, he's done. He's out for the season. But at the end of the day, he might as well have been out for the season because it was kind of too late for the Packers, even though they had a couple of good games. A new Brett, uh, Aaron Rodgers, replaced by Brett. It's not Brett Favre, it's Brett Hundley, and he didn't look really like he wanted to, you know, he didn't really look like he's ready to be a quarterback in the NFL. Vikings take advantage, three turnovers on Hundley, blah, blah, blah. Aaron Rodgers, well, barely even got to play in the game. Keenum was sharp, even though he did have an interception, this and that. Vikings hang in there and win pretty soundly. Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon, definitely the uh, more exciting piece of this one as Murray still kind of slowly recovering from that ankle surgery. Uh, then you move on to Baltimore. Not a bad game, not a great game, but the Vikings end up winning 24-16. Joe Flacco looked like a corpse of what he once was. The Vikings still end up only winning by eight points. It wasn't the prettiest game ever, but the Vikings get the job done. Keenum, another interception. As he doesn't look all that sharp when you're thinking about, okay, Teddy's coming, right? Teddy's coming back. Flacco, blah, blah, blah. Very mediocre. Latavius Murray has his first big game, as I believe it or not predicted. I figured he was going to have a breakout game, and he did. 113, a 35-yard scamper along the way, and it got into the end zone. McKinnon, though, always showing his value, particularly receiving, but not so much in this game. It was really the Latavius Murray show in this game, and I do remember giving him the, <laughs> easily giving him the uh, Fran Tarkenton award for that game. Latavius Murray, nice little breakout game there. You move on against Cleveland, snooze fest, though the Vikings kind of screwed around for a while in this one. Kind of lame. Uh, we went to Britain. We played Cleveland in Britain. Last time around, it was the Cleveland, no, it was the Cleveland. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers years ago, where uh, Matt Castle ended up replacing, uh, uh, what was that guy's name? <laughs> Christian Ponder. We don't even want to remember him. Jarek McKinnon had another great game, this and that. Case Keenum was a little bit better. He threw another interception in the game, but the... Uh, Cleveland Browns, they hung in there forever. It was scary, but then they started making the usual mistakes, and the Browns fell apart, and it ended up being a blowout, even though the game was close. Kind of a stupid, stupid game. Very forgettable game for the Vikings there as we continue to roll forward. Washington Redskins game. Teddy Bridgewater is looking over 
<laughs> is looking over Mr. Keenum's shoulder, and then Keenum has the big breakout game and also throws a couple interceptions late, which was really annoying, which kind of helped the uh, Washington Redskins stay in it. Maybe, maybe the future quarterback of the Vikings, Kurt Cousins, not so great in the game, certainly not his best game at all, but certainly an ever-talented player and not the best team around it, but Case Keenum, four touchdowns, spectacular game until those two stupid, stupid interceptions, off-balance throws that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, Adam Thielen, 166 yards in the game. Just beautiful connections with Case Keenum. Both Thielen and Diggs, uh, recipients of 50-yard plays there, basically. 49 for Thielen, 51 for Diggs. An overall fun, fun day. Definitely Keenum's breakout party. And it's like, no, Teddy, not now. Please, Teddy, not now. This is my chance. Then you get the Rams, the glass-ceiling game, I called it. Whoever wins this game is going to be a first-round bye. Now, it wasn't guaranteed or anything, but I felt that the momentum would carry that team in that position and that the other team obviously would be on the short end of the tiebreaker, this and that. The Vikings would have to fight for quite a while to gain the bye, but they ended up getting it. And, of course, this game was one of the major reasons things headed in that direction. And the Los Angeles Rams end up getting the number three seed in the postseason. Jared Goff was not that great in the game. The Vikings' defense was just un believable throughout the game. Case Keenum very solid, very accurate, did not make mistakes, and that's what counts, and that's why Case Keenum kept his job, as there were lots of rumors that maybe Teddy would come back one of the, you know, would come back maybe for the, in the next game, but it ended up not being the case. Vikings defense keeping Todd Gurley to 37 yards, and this is when you first started really hearing about the Vikings uh, anything like over four yards or so. You, it was like number one defense in the NFL against the third down, and pretty much in general the Vikings became that then you have the Thanksgiving victory over Detroit, 30-23. to 23. Uh, Matthew Stafford showing frustration. The Vikings winning in Detroit for the first time in quite a while. Case Keenum, very strong, not making mistakes. Quarterback rating 121. Overall fun game with Tavis Murray, strong as well. Uh, Detroit's defense, tough, but the Vikings tougher. And, of course, th- uh, pushing Matthew Stafford into an interception and a below-average game. Uh, he missed some receivers that he normally wouldn't, this and that. And the Vikings' third-down defense comes through, which it did not do a mere year before in a very frustrating loss to Detroit on Thanksgiving. Vikings win over Atlanta, 14-19. Extremely low-scoring game on the road. So much fun, though. Case Keenum just protecting the ball and protecting the ball and protecting the ball. And that's what kept the Vikings moving forward and continuing this winning streak. And then you have the game against Carolina. This is the game that would help cost the Vikings home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Though, at the end of the day, it was that damn Detroit game that for sure did it. That was the one that sealed it. As, of course, you're, you're, you have a division loss, this and that. That was the one that ultimately actually cost the Vikings home field advantage. Plus, you it's not a surprise you're going to lose to a pretty good Carolina team on the road. Um, the Vikings' success rate against Carolina, insane. Everybody's so cocky coming into this game, and that's what scared me. Uh, December the 10th, fall cleanups were all long done by then. Case Keenum had a couple of interceptions in the game, and Cam Newton was nothing special. But then, magically, Cam Newton runs runs down that field after the Vikings make a spectacular comeback in the in the fourth quarter, shocking us all. But then Cam Newton able to scamper 65 yards, much to our ultimate chagrin, and help the Panthers win despite 52% completion percentage. Case Keenum, again, a couple interceptions along the way. And Jonathan Stewart killed the Vikings throughout the game and put Carolina well ahead and had me cursing and swearing on Twitter and Facebook. Jonathan Stewart, the aging veteran, but still outstanding uh, running back. He had a 60-yard scamper as well. Not sure what happened to the Vikings' run defense in that game. We're still wondering here. 
Uh, Cincinnati game. You finally got to see Teddy again. The Vikings roll over a Cincinnati team that refuses to fire their coach. But <laughs> it basically was he was stepping away and then, oh, never mind. I'm going to be the coach again. So another extension for Marvin Lewis. I don't understand it, but a 34-7 win. Nothing really much to say about that one. Just nice to see Teddy back and nice to see Keenum and the Vikings roll a 16 to nothing win in Green Bay. The first since, man, the first time the Vikings shut out the Packers since 1970 in Lambeau Field unbelievable 16-0 to win and the first Vikings shutout since 1993, but the first one in Green Bay since 1970. 1970. Um, wow. Uh, Fran Tarkin was actually quarterback of the Giants because Norm Van Brocklin had traded him away and the Vikings ended up trading him back, blah, 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 trading for him back. Easy win over Chicago, kind of. Not really that easy because the Bears' defense was very strong, very sound. And it would be John Fox's last game as coach of the Bears, but a 23 to uh, 23 to 10 win over a solid Bears team, and then of course you move into the postseason, a game that looked extremely positive, 29 to 24. Yeah, we beat the Saints before, but a completely different team. Alvin Kamara scared the crap out of us in that second half. Vikings looked so sound, so good in the first half, 17 to zero. Everything is great, all is right with the world, so to speak. Vikings 13 and three. Here we go. We're going to Philadelphia, or maybe, hopefully, we wish we wished that the Falcons could get the job done. And of course, they could not. Just they were so close. The Falcons were so close. Imagine the Falcons in. Imagine the Falcons in U.S. Bank Stadium. Man, I think we'd be sticking around. I really do. Um, unfortunately, reality was setting in with my friend Neil, though. But at the time, at the time of the Saints game, everything was perfectly fine. I was talking with Neil too, and even the loss of the Viking. Uh, the the Philadelphia game. I was still talking with my friend Neil Nate Dog Thiesing. There was no indication of anything going on, so obviously life can change so quickly, which uh, complications with that treatment there. Well, yeah, unbelievable. But a 17 to nothing lead for the Vikings. Everything is great. You know, the Saints are going to ha- make it interesting a little bit, and they made it way too interesting. They were clearly the better team in the second half. Alvin Kamara, just he, he just gives you nightmares. I'm still like shaking from this game. I'm still shaking from the excellence of Alvin Kamara. Uh, It's not like his running yards were spectacular. Just how deadly he was, how dangerous he was. He would get the big plays when he needed to and how close the Saints were to making even bigger plays. The attempt uh, at pass, which would have been a a 60-yard touchdown easily, a catch and scamper, about a 20-yard catch and then scamper to pay dirt from uh, Willie Sneed. Of course, he just overthrew the guy a little bit. Maybe the other guy... A little bit, a uh, uh, little bit ahead of the play, a tiny bit. Drew Brees again, also two interceptions in the first half, which helped the Vikings have that big seventeen uh, nothing lead. Keenum, you think everything's okay, and then Keenum throws an interception. The Saints get two touchdowns in a row in that fourth quarter, and things just get so scary. Third into the fourth quarter, the Saints end up taking the lead. The Vikings kind of get it back again. Nice, beautiful kick from the guy we were all fearing so much, Kai Forbath, a fifty-three yard dagger to the Saints, but then, of course, way too much time for Drew Brees. They get into the end zone and all that give the Saints, or not in the end zone, but they get another kick from Will Lutz. Not the hardest thing he ever had to do. Nails that one from 43 yards out. And then you have 25 seconds to go, and the Minneapolis Miracle takes place. The Minneapolis Miracle, indeed. Three receivers right, feel and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay oh, up. My God, oh my God! 30, no 10, touchdown! Are you kidding me? It's a Minneapolis miracle! 
Murray. Stephon Diggs and the Minnesota Vikings have lost up on the New Orleans Saints. It's a 61-yard Minneapolis miracle. I can't believe what I just saw, Paul. What an unbelievable play. Fans at U.S. Bank Stadium are embracing each other. They're trying to climb into the box box to hug us all. Nobody can find Stephon Diggs. He ran into the tunnel. Unbelievable, Paul. Are you kidding me? They run the deep ball route. Stephon Diggs goes up, and Marcus Williams, the rookie, tries to jump over the back of him to break up the throw. The ball is caught, and Diggs is able to take it into the end zone. Look at the Vikings coaches. This is just an absolute mistake. Yes! Are you kidding me? Look at these Vikings coaches. And there, of course, we relive the spectacular Minneapolis miracle. Got to be the most exciting play in Vikings history. It's got to be. Uh, there's been some big plays. Obviously, the Ahmad Rashad miracle, this and that, helped put the Vikings in the playoffs. And, of course, they lost the following week in the playoffs. Uh, Ahmad Rashad was against the Cleveland Browns way back at the beginning of the 1980s, the greatest decade ever. Uh, this one, though, second round of the playoffs, puts you in the NFC title game. Probably the biggest play in Vikings history. It's just, unfortunately, a lot like the Ahmad Rashad play. The Vikings don't win the next week. And all this talk of uh, will it hold the same power, the same excitement, the same memory? Will it be still looked at as like the greatest play in Minnesota sports history? No, I, I think it's Puckett's home run at the bottom of the ninth. Uh, bottom of the 11th, part of me, over the Atlanta Braves back in 91. I think that still holds. If the Vikings went on to win the Super Bowl, this one would probably do it because the Vikings were behind. The play doesn't happen, the Vikings lose. Uh, Puckett doesn't hit a home run there. Maybe someone else does, or whatever, because it was still a tie game uh, and and all that. But um, I, it's cool to think that on the same soil, the same spot, though, two spectacular, huge plays took place. It's just unfortunate that we didn't get our first Super Bowl championship on our soil, which the odds of that happening are very slim. And, you know, a, a Super Bowl coming back, you never know it could, but it would be a while, um, unless they loved it so much here. Uh, unfortunately, though, so many people complain about the cold, complain about the weather, this and that, and they're all a bunch of wimps. That's just my humble, humble, okay, unhumble opinion, my arrogant opinion. You're all a bunch of wimps, you freaking floozies. But, uh, yeah, there, I made my statement. Uh, Vikings defeat the New Orleans Saints, 29 to 24, the first ever actual walk-off in playoff history. Pretty awesome. Uh, it was an actual walk-off, like bottom of the ninth, you're down by two and you hit a three-run home run or something, or a grand slam. That's basically what a walk-off is, and this was spectacular. Where there was absolutely nothing after that. Of course, the uh, Saints punter, Thomas Morstead, has made a wonderful name for himself. Just a great guy. Uh, he's made nice donations and stuff. Children in need. Uh, terrible injury to his ribs early in the game. And he just stuck it out, kept doing it, and he even lined up when the, the game wasn't officially over. You have to run the clock completely out. So I guess it wasn't an absolute walk-off, but it's a walk-off. Uh, they had to just hike the ball one more time and this and that. And Thomas Morstead had to line up as one of the... Uh, <laughs> because, well, no, it was a walk-off. You had to do the uh, the extra point, whatever, or kneel, which the Vikings ended up doing. Uh, Thomas Morstead lined up as one of the defensive linemen just to just to have somebody on the field... To complete the play. You had to complete the extra point. So no, there was no time left. I'm saying it incorrectly. Of course, just one circumstance leading to another. Uh, Stefan Diggs would have been uh, tackled in bounds. The game would have been over. Maybe he would have got out of bounds. Maybe you kick a field goal and still win the game. But this was much more spectacular. Uh, I really also liked uh, 
Joe Buck's call as well. Didn't have to say a whole lot, just put out the emotion and the spectacularness of the play. So, of course, the Vikings move on to Philadelphia. Things start very positively. You score on the first drive, looks great. And, well, things went ape bleep after that. Everything went Philadelphia's way. Strip sack this, pick six that. And we don't really want to talk about it anymore. Eagles fans were jerks about it, but the Eagles team, you know, uh, okay. Nick Foles, amazing. Just a great job. So, great story. But that puts a purple bow on the season. We're not going to talk about it, anything after that. But then again, I will again re-congratulate the Philadelphia Eagles on their first Super Bowl championship. Though again, they did have some NFL championships before that, as they will remind us a million times. Uh, Vikings still waiting, and yet another team passed us to their first Super Bowl, and we still wait. But a wonderful season, without a doubt. Um, there were th- four teams in the NFL with a 13-3 and record. Minnesota, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and... The, the uh, New England Patriots. Uh, Patriots, amazing game. This and that. And look, I am going into the Super Bowl when this is just about the Vikings at this point. But um, terrible finish to a wonderful season. Vikings defense leaves people in a lot of questions. Uh, defensive line, three technique, this and that. You want to pass rushing defensive tackle a bit. More of a Kevin Williams style. You got your Fat Pat. You got your Linval Joseph, who's even who's better than Fat Pat, I think. I think Linval Joseph is just an amazing player. Uh, Harrison Smith had an MVP type of a season. Unbelievable. Uh, Anderson Dejo showed his value, though, of course, the concussion in the Saints game did not help his cause going into Philadelphia, unfortunately. Did not play well in that game, this and that. Concussion-related symptoms, this and that. Did not help his cause. Uh, Great job by the two running backs, McKinnon and all that. Latavius Murray, they they did a great job all season. And, of course, Case Keenum. Both teams had to survive. Philadelphia and Minnesota had to survive their starting quarterback getting hurt. Minnesota, you could argue, two quarterbacks, obviously, because Teddy Bridgewater was meant to be the quarterback of his team. And he still might end up being that. And we'll talk about that in segment number two. Still might end up being that. Still very possible. But uh, Sam Bradford came in. He got the captain C and everything ready to roll. We'd have to have Bridgewater as the backup with Bradford out there healthy and looking great. But then Bradford wasn't healthy. And, Mc- and Bridgewater wasn't ready yet. And Keenum looked great. He started crappy, blah, blah, blah. But a wonderful season that didn't end well. So at the end of the day, it was not a disappointing season. It was a disappointing finish. Disappointing finish. Disappointing finish. You have every right on the planet to be disappointed with that finish. And every Viking fan on the planet is disappointed with that finish. Uh, very nice season, though. 13-3. and three. The best uh, record I've ever talked about on Purple Mafia. My 10th season and not my final season covering the Minnesota Vikings on this show. My 11th overall if you count the 2007 season with Paladino Live on YouTube. Check those out. They're still there. They ain't going down. Uh, I even did a couple of videos in 2009, but it got to be too much workload. Doing a podcast and videos? Nah. I figured I'd start with videos and maybe go into podcasting, and that's pretty much what I did. Um, I liked videos, it, but the, it's two hours just to do a couple minutes. It's a lot of work. So just to do a couple minutes of video takes hours sometimes. It's work, and it's not like it was spectacular special effects. It's just putting things together, and yeah, it, it takes time, uploading and all that. So it was it was fun, but podcasting is a little better fit for me where I can talk more and less less editing. There's editing. There's always editing. Obviously, you add in the sound effects, this and that, and you piece things together, but um yeah, I try to keep this like a live show. It's not like I'm sitting here going, um, uh, uh, ooh, ee, uh, uh, ooh, Vikings, uh, Philadelphia, Phila, Phila, Philadelphia. Okay, yeah, it's not like I'm sitting here stuttering through everything and editing it all up. No, maybe some people, their first show, they might do that a little bit. But <laughs> I treat this like a live show. You know, that's the way the editing is easier. 
Yeah, I'm not sitting here clipping everything. That would kind of be annoying. But uh, this isn't about me. It's about the Vikings and about you, the listeners. Let's finish the wrap-up with the awards for the season for the Vikings. Now, the uh, listener rewards are at the end of the show. For the most valuable player, now, again, I have all of the, I have the post up there. So, again, we'll be talking about your guys' choices. We'll start off with the most valuable player. I'm going to round out the top ten here. The top ten. Tenth place. For the Minnesota Vikings Most Valuable Player Award is Kyle Rudolph. Very strong season. A nice, uh, at minimum, a safety net for Case Keenum, but also very valuable along the way. Dropped some passes like he always does, but had some great moments. Of course, injuries derailed him a little bit. Uh, Riley Reef. Obviously, his value is probably higher than where I'm putting him, but I'm just putting him here at this point. I mean, I could put him at second or third easily. Um, and that's kind of where he is, but I'll put him here for now. You know, that kind of thing. I, I think... He transformed this offensive line. His value was so great. Uh, Remmers was okay, but Riley Reef was clearly the most valuable player of that offensive line. Uh, and of course, again, you can't discount a Pat Elfline's value as well. So unfortunate with the serious injury there. And of course, Nick Easton's serious injury earlier in the season as well, which is devastating as far as I'm concerned. Anthony Barr, eighth place. I had to put Riley Reef ahead of him. I don't even know why I have Riley Reef down that low. Mostly just writing him in there, I suppose. Anthony Barr and Riley Reef. I'm going to switch those around right away. Uh, Anthony Barr, though, um, he had some great, 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 great moments. Of course, oh, he injured Aaron Rodgers. No, I'm not celebrating that, but it was part of the season. Um, uh, Barr had a generally a great year, but he didn't finish really well and continued to drop off during the course of the season. Case Keenum, very much in the group here, but I won't be giving him the season MVP. He's either 7th, 6th, 5th, anything. I mean, these are all interchangeable. You can move them up, move them down, this and that. I'm just kind of putting them in these spots just to kind of list them out. Eric Kendricks is up there, sixth at this point. Awesome season, great tackler. Certainly not a perfect player, but absolutely the more, probably I think he's the best linebacker on the Vikings roster. As much of uh, glory Anthony Barr gets, I think Eric Kendricks is great also. You could also argue again that Anthony Barr draws so much attention that it frees up Eric Kendricks to make more tackles. And yes, that's an argument. Everson Griffin was unbelievable in the season. Of course, it seemed like everybody dropped off in that freaking Eagles game. I mean, Anthony Barr looked like an idiot. Kendricks was was invisible. Keenum was not too good. Everson Griffin was completely invisible. Xavier Rose was awful. This and that. Um, Vikings offense, generally speaking, was pretty good, though. Um, you're noticing no running backs in here, even though you could easily put Jarek McKinnon in the group as well. I think McKinnon was actually more valuable than Kyle Rudolph. So some of this list, not the best list I've ever put together, but what matters most is the top three or so, the guys that will, you know, <laughs> get major recognition. Everson Griffin there. Xavier Rhodes dropped to fourth because he caught, kept getting hurt over and over, and it was getting annoying. Too much, too much complaining, too much injuries, this and that. But when he's at his, when he's on his game, he's he's like a top four, top three, top five run, uh, cornerback in all of football. Adam Thielen was unbelievable throughout the season, unbelievable. Uh, he stayed healthier than Stefan Diggs. That's why he's ranked higher. Twelve hundred yards, almost thirteen hundred yards. Just an incredible player. Uh, too bad that they called. <laughs> too too bad the ball kind of bounced and he had to pick it back up. Obviously, he did not hit the ground, but it bounced off him. And he had to catch it as he was going out of bounds. That sucks. That would have given us home field. But I'm not really faulting Adam Thielen. Just a tough situation there. Harrison Smith. We're now in the top three. The second runner-up was Adam Thielen. Now it's between Harrison Smith and Linval Joseph for the uh, Most Valuable Player Award for the season. And ladies and gentlemen, the first runner-up 
for most valuable player for the Minnesota Vikings in 2017 is Harrison Smith. That means Linval Joseph is your 2017 Minnesota Vikings most valuable player. So there it is. Harrison Smith and Linval Joseph rounding up the top two. Harrison Smith, unbelievable season for the Minnesota Vikings. Unbelievable season indeed. Uh, but for me, Linval Joseph was the straw that stirred the drink for the Vikings this season. Um, as amazing as Case Keenum was, and he was amazing, but he wasn't perfect. Nobody was really perfect this season. But Linval Joseph, every single week, every single week, the you know, he would stuff the run. He would even wreak a little havoc on the quarterback here and there. But generally speaking, Mr. Consistency, Mr. Greatness, Mr. Every Week. You never saw him sit out. You never saw this. You never saw that. You never heard him complain. Linval Joseph, incredible throughout the season. You could say the same about Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith, and Linval Joseph. I think that's your top three, without a doubt. But the winner is Linval Joseph for the 2017 season. When you talk about a third down defense that was the best in the league, Linval Joseph is right at the top there of that list. So many of the Vikings defensive players deserve credit for that. But I think Linval Joseph is right at the top, and he is your 2017 most valuable player for Pro Mafia, at least from the, your head coach's, or no, your, uh, your host's <laughs> perspective. Biggest disappointment of the season? Well, rounding up at number six is a tie with two draft picks, Stacey Coley and Rodney Adams. What the hell? Did you ever hear from them? Are they alive? Are they on milk cartons? Rodney Adams is already gone, I believe, with the Tennessee Titans, if I remember correctly, or is it the Colts? Who cares? I mean, and we'll talk about that in free agency later on as well. But who cares? Stacey Coley also got a couple snaps. Rodney Adams didn't play a snap for the Vikings this year. At least not many. <laughs> Maybe like two or three. He was pretty much like uh, Laquan Treadwell in his rookie year. But Rodney Adams taken a little later than Laquan Treadwell. First round pick in 2016. Stacey Coley also seventh round pick. But still, there was some hope regarding him. Uh, Mike Remmers was a little disappointing as well. He rounds up number five. I was not, you know, superly pleased with him. Though, when he was healthy, he was good. Uh, putting him at left guard, though, that didn't work. He's a right guard at, or a right tackle. Uh, they'll be talking about possibly moving him to right guard permanently. Should the Vikings uh, add another tackle, which either you move Riley Reef to right guard, uh, right tackle, depending on who you pick up, like a Nate Soldier or something, or the draft, this and that. But Mike Remmer belongs on the right side. On the left side, he was disappointing a bit. And, of course, um, he missed several games this year as well. So that's why he rounds up as a little bit disappointing, to be quite honest. But again, when healthy and went on his game, he's a very, very good offensive lineman. He can play tackle or guard. But particularly, please keep him on the right side because he's not a good left side tackle or guard. McKenzie Alexander, you know, you want to step up. And he had some moments, but he wasn't that great. And there were some times he looked downright awful. He rounds up number four. Michael Floyd, oh boy, oh who, we got a good receiver here. He's going to really help things out. He looks awesome in the preseason, this and that, and he looks incredible in practice, and he did nothing. Nothing. He sucks, and he couldn't catch, like, easy passes either. Uh, sure, touchdowns, he couldn't even bring them in. Just what a garbage player he ended up being. I don't want him back. Go have some more kombucha tea. Adios, amigo. Rounding up number one and number two, Laquan Treadwell will get number two believe it or not. Um, he was okay at times. Couldn't separate from a, you know, he couldn't separate from an ex-girlfriend. He's that bad. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about, but the guy has no separation, you know, no separation whatsoever. I mean, you know, any defensive player, they're going to be close to him all the times. He showed very little athleticism when needed. What a garbage pick Laquan Treadwell ended up being. Um, you want to believe he could, 
turn into an Anquan Bolden type, but we're talking a broke man's Anquan Bolden. Not poor, broke, homeless man's Anquan Bolden at best at this point. Uh, the number one thing, it's a combination of, it's like a bad luck thing. Sam Bradford's injury is the biggest disappointment because what if Sam Bradford was healthy? What if Sam Bradford was healthy? You know, I think Sam Bradford, a healthy Sam Bradford with a good offensive line in front of him is better than Case Keenum. <gasps> Did I say that? I said it. Yep, it's not really sacrilegious because it's true. Um, Sam Bradford's, I think, a better quarterback than Case Keenum with a good offensive line in front of him and when healthy, he's got that big arm, something Case Keenum lacks. You might have had a better chance. I, I don't know, though. That Eagles team was a freaking buzzsaw, though. So the Sam Bradford injury is the biggest disappointment in general. Like, seriously, how could a freaking bone bruise be that bad? But it was, I guess. Biggest surprise? Well, it shouldn't be too big of a surprise, but all of them ended up stepping up pretty nicely. Jerry is right, um, re-emerging, and I've always liked him. He's not surprising to me, but to, in general, you got to see him be a part of things again, getting key first downs, really helped down the stretch, really loved what Jerry is right did. Rounds up number four. Number three, Anderson Deho, uh, much maligned, always looked on as, oh, just get him out of here. Why do we still have this band-aid as our strong safety? Anderson Deho, God! Well, you could have said that in the Philadelphia game, but concussion protocol, not necessarily... Uh, <laughs> Not necessarily making your case very strong, but it was still still looked ugly. But overall, Anderson Day, who underappreciated and really has stepped up his game in the past couple of years, really appreciated what Anderson Day who did. Number two, a guy who again also has been maligned because he gets burned and roasted and toasted, and it happens all the time, this and that, or at least it did the last couple of years. But on occasion he make this big play, and then as the season progressed, this guy was as big a difference maker on this team as anybody. And that's Trey Raines because he did stick with his man. He wasn't getting burned. He was getting, he was making stops. After the first two or three games or so, Trey Waynes became more of a glue shutdown corner as the season progressed. He'd have some gaffes here and there, and that's why he wasn't in the MVP conversation. But in a lot of ways, he was as valuable to this team as anybody in that sense because it helped other cornerbacks be valuable. And of course, Trey Waynes was thrown at a lot throughout the season because you had the shutdown corner, the superstar, so to speak, in Xavier Rhodes on the other side, the guy who always pretended to be hurt. Or maybe he's hurt a little bit, but he over-dramatized it, maybe. Uh, and the biggest surprise for the season is easily Case Keenum. I mean, how is he not the biggest surprise? when you He comes in, <coughs> he's this okay quarterback for St. Louis, this and that, uh, Houston Texans. Yeah, his name was out there. He was okay, and he got time, and he was average, like 10 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, all that kind of nonsense. Nothing spectacular out of Case Keenum, but he did put in an amazing season for the Minnesota Vikings. You'd think there'd be more touchdowns and all that, but he still, generally speaking, had a hell of a season for the Vikings. 3,547 yards and, of course, 22 touchdowns in the season. You'd think it'd be more, but only 22, seven interceptions. It protected the ball well for the most part, but occasionally would have ridiculous, stupid gaffes. Latavius Murray ended up leading the team in rushing yards, believe it or not. Because he had more carries down the stretch. Uh, 842, a workload kind of guy. 52 yards a game. McKinnon with 50, uh, 570. But again, brought more of that third down value that we haven't seen since uh, Chester Taylor was on the Minnesota Vikings. Jarek McKinnon, 421 yards receiving. Two touchdowns also along the way. But very crucial, crucial first down receptions that led to first downs. And a guy who could break a tackle after the catch. 421 yards receiving because of his ability to scamper a little bit. Awesome season. 
for Jarek McKinnon. And uh, I don't know, he might be on his way out. And that kind of sucks because I'd love to have him back. But that kind of is what that is. Uh, those are your biggest disappointment, biggest uh, surprise and MVP. Most valuable player, Linval Joseph. Biggest disappointment, Sam Bradford's injury. Sam Bradford's injury. And biggest surprise, Case Keenum. So that right there wraps up. The season will put a purple bow on the Minnesota Vikings season and hope to see a little purple, gold, and white confetti coming down from the skies one day and hearing that amazing, wonderful Vince Lombardi trophy <laughs> presentation song coming our direction one day. And guys, touching that trophy and kissing it. Oh, hopefully that day does come. But we will put a wrap on the 2017 season, yet another year where we were great but did not bring home the trophy. So with that, we will take our break and we are going to move into the future. The future 2018 conversation, free agency, little draft, and then we finally move into fan interaction and you hear the stars of the year and the first ever Purple Mafia Hall of Fame class. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Going to dive a bit into free agency and very briefly into the draft. Just kind of talking more about what we're looking for in the draft and such. And free agency and all that good stuff. Uh, quarterback position, well, there's only one free agent quarterback the Vikings potentially would be looking at. Okay, maybe also looking at A.J. McCarron, possibly from Cincinnati. I'm not really sure where to go with A.J. McCarron at this point, to be quite honest. Uh, there's some promise, there's this, there's that, but uh, there's not a whole lot to say about the guy, as far as I'm concerned. He's 27 years old, so, uh, you know, he's, he's been around for a little while. He was taken in the fifth round of the 2014 draft by the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, pardon me. So, I mean, hey, you know, it can happen, but obviously very small sample size thus far. Only played in 10 NFL games. Quarterback rating 93.6. Of course, last year in the three games he played in, not a whole lot to say. Only <laughs> only about 60-some yards passing. So, uh, 66 yards officially. Uh, he had 854 in 2015. Didn't even play in 2016. Of course, Andy Dalton quarterbacking all of those games. Had some promise in 2015. That's kind of the sample size people were looking at, this and that. Uh, the Cleveland Browns tried to get him. Uh, Cincinnati could have got a nice little haul. For A.J. McCarron, Cleveland Browns desperate for anything, any type of spark, any type of pulse, obviously an 0-16 season. So they were hoping to get something going, and they botched the trade. They botched the trade with the fax machine, whatever the Cincinnati Bengals did, just kind of waiting around too much, and they botched it. And the trade deadline passed, and they couldn't get it done. A.J. McCarron remained a Cincinnati Bengal, and now he's a free agent. So Cincinnati, boy, oh, just seemed like nothing can go right there. Unfortunately for them, uh, they did wind up getting Brian Hill during the course of the season in the trade deadline. So they did get him. That's a guy I kind of like a little bit for Cincinnati. Uh, <clears throat> of course, originally drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. Still very small sample size for him. I liked him coming out of the draft last year. Uh, limited action last season, of course. Only 37 yards. Did not get in the end zone. So very limited action ultimately for Brian Hill. So yeah, we'll just kind of leave that alone. Sam Bradford, of course, the whole quarterback situation for the Vikings. Yes, that's like the main topic going into free agency. And then there's the non-free agent type of ideas, this and that. I do think the Vikings need to bring in a safety via the draft, via free agency, this and that. 
where you go with that. We'll see uh, the quarterback situation. You know, I really like Sam Bradford a lot. I like the arm. I like the talent, the accuracy, this and that, and a good offensive line in front of him. If I knew Sam Bradford's knee was never going to have a problem with that, I mean, like a recurring issue, we'll say. Of course, things can happen in the regular season. You just never know. I mean, even Tom Brady had an ACL in 2008. But look at him. He's still the greatest ever at this stage. Um, But... I mean, I would love to have Sam Bradford back as a healthy quarterback if you knew things were going to be okay. But for me, the chronic knee injury, knee situation, all that weird stuff going on says I can't bring him back. He's the least likely of the three guys to bring back. Of course, Teddy Bridgewater and Case Keenum being the others. Doesn't look like the Vikings are going to franchise Case Keenum. I I, I don't blame them. Uh, the one thing, it would have been only a one-year deal, obviously, you know, in the mid-20s or so in millions per the one-year deal. Big, fat, juicy, uh, top five, top five franchise quarterback uh, contract for a year. Otherwise, you go with Teddy Bridgewater. And I think Teddy Bridgewater is the most likely to return. You're not really hearing about him moving on just yet. Of course, I'm sure Miami's going to throw some money at him and other teams as well. Miami has been interested in Teddy Bridgewater for a while. And of course, he's from Miami. And the Dolphins are dying to get a quarterback in there again. They've been through a lot. Uh, Tannehill's obviously got talent, but of course, he had the ACL and they kind of screwed around with that. Didn't get that done. Very strange what took place there. Kirk Cousins, obviously the big bucks and all that. Jimmy Garoppolo signed for five years, $137 million bleeping dollars. With the San Francisco 49ers, a very, very promising finish to the season, but of course no pressure in any of those games. Kirk Cousin has the talent, he has the special skills, but is he in the top tier or is he in the second tier? I think most of us would say he's in the second tier. Uh, He's in the same age group as Case Keenum and Sam Bradford. They're basically like the same age, same high school class, same college class, all that kind of good stuff. 29 in Kirk Cousin's case. Uh, Bradford and Keenum both turning 30. So they're right about in the same area there. Kind of in the middle of their career, you could say, in their prime. Teddy Bridgewater, still 25, still got a chance. And he's turning 26 this year, of course. Um, Teddy Bridgewater looked jittery, jittery coming in. Uh, he's put in a lot of muscle, put on a lot of muscle, which is very encouraging. Of course, he's going to need it, <laughs> obviously. And that's something he was able to do during that whole time with the knee injury. Really build up uh, the upper body and hopefully the lower body as well with lots of workouts. I think the front office and the head coach are in Teddy Bridgewater's corner. You didn't hear a whole lot of uh, Case Keenum as our quarterback. In fact, you didn't really hear that at all. You just kind of—it was kind of like, yeah, he's the quarterback this week. Yeah, he's the quarterback right now. Yeah, Case Case had a good game. Yeah, Case Case looks good. Case looks good. Uh huh. Case looks good. So that's kind of my guess. Um, lots of scenarios involve Case Keenum getting a. Either the franchise tag, and then you bring Teddy Bridgewater with an incentive-laden deal, and then you have the two duke it out in training camp. That's a very likely scenario, a very possible scenario. I wouldn't be against it at all. Like Teddy Bridgewater, incentive-laden, five to nine years, three-year, you know, five to five to nine uh, million per year in like a three-year deal, kind of a bridge contract type of deal, which I think that's where Bridgewater is right now. He's going to be getting a bridge contract. He's not going to be getting his big deal, obviously, because there's too much uncertainty. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, I think it was a freak injury. I don't think he's got some kind of weird medical condition in his knees that then, like, uh, unfortunately, uh, Jarius Wright's teammate years ago had uh, that we brought in. That was heartbreaking. <laughs> Obviously, he had two PCLs go down at the same time. I don't even know how that... Or it was a patella tennis, pardon me, in his knee when he caught a touchdown in, in uh, uh, one of the uh, 
OTAs in, in the springtime. I couldn't believe it. Now I'm forgetting his name, and it'll come back in a little bit here, unfortunately. Uh, both of them taken in the fourth round that year, if you remember correctly. Uh, teammates there in uh, Arkansas, pardon me, the, the Razorbacks. Greg Childs was the guy's name. Yeah, I remember both knees went down at the same time. So that's more of a chronic knee situation. Tried to come back, ultimately didn't. He came back from uh, issues coming out of college and all that. Ended up looking good in training camp. And then next thing you know, he never played an NFL game. So very, very sad. Uh, Greg Childs and Jarius Wright, childhood friends, played for the Arkansas Razorbacks around that time. It's like he got two receivers, here they come. And then wham, that took place. So very sad situation for Greg Childs. I don't think that's Teddy Bridgewater. I really don't. He looked pretty healthy. He had a 16-game season in 2015. First had an ankle injury in 2014 in his first uh, NFL game. He actually ended up, uh, yeah, I mean, he came in there. He started his first start. He looked so positive against the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, not a very good defense at the time before uh, Dan Quinn got there and took them to the Super Bowl, only to lose by this much, you know, just a tiny bit. Uh, there's also scenarios involving maybe you bring back just Keenum, just Bridgewater, and you bring in uh, Josh McCown, who still got it at age 39 to be the backup quarterback. That guy won't be the hero quarterback uh, backup like a Nick Foles or even a Case Keenum, I don't think. So, But still, a very solid backup who still looks good. Played with the Jets last year and hung in there. Other names out there, Geno Smith, Tom Savage. I don't think the Vikings will be after any of them. Ryan Fitzpatrick really fell off the map. Matt Moore, no. Uh, Blaine Gabbert's out there, of course. I'm surprised you're not hearing more about Kirk Cousins to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm very surprised. Uh, maybe Case Keenum will wind up there. I'm not sure. Sam Bradford is probably going to get signed by somebody, but I'm guessing it'll be an incentive-laden contract because of the whole injury situation. Uh, God, Joe Webb is still out there. Mark Sanchez, EJ Manuel, all these names that you don't want to even think about. TJ Yates, remember he was in there for the uh, Houston Texans. Ryan Mallett. Remember, he had some promise coming into the college and all that, coming out of college. Brock Osweiler. Derek Anderson's still around? Well, he's only 34? <laughs> Chad Henry. Okay, we don't need to go into all these names. The Vikings quarterback is going to be one of a few guys here. It's going to be Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, and a very small chance, A.J. McCarron. I don't think he's going to be the starting quarterback for the Vikings, but who knows, possibly. And then a possible move for the backup in Josh McCown. Jay Cutler, don't even think about it. <laughs> that guy, he's halfway out the door, and he's been that way for the last four years. He he doesn't care. Come on. You know, he does not care. Uh, Blaine Gabbard showed some promise late last season, but obviously that's not somebody I'd be looking at. He'll probably wind up being a backup somewhere, unless the Jacksonville Jaguars end up bringing him back as the starter. Age 28 already. What the hell? Time is fast. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is out there. Le'Veon Bell, Deion Lewis looked on positively, obviously, from the uh, New England Patriots. Jarek McKinnon available running back, this and that. Uh, I think if the Vikings get any running backs, it'd be in the draft. I think, uh, obviously, the Vikings have to make a decision between Jarek McKinnon, re-sign Jarek McKinnon, and let go of Latavius Murray, which is won't be too expensive to do, or you just stick with uh, Latavius and, of course, Dalvin Cook. I don't think all three will be back. I would love all three of them to come back, but Jarek McKinnon wants a bigger role because, obviously, Dalvin Cook is going to steal the most of the snaps at the running back position, so kind of leave that as is. Not even thinking about fullback. We're set pretty well there. Wide receivers, uh, I don't know. Uh, Jarvis Landry just got franchise tagged from Miami. Other than that, I'm not really thinking about wide receivers either right now. I think we're okay at the wide receiver position. I mean, you got Stefan Diggs. You got uh, 
Adam Thielen, and I obviously you want to keep Jarius right. He's a free, uh, he's not a free agent, and that's good. You want to keep him. You want him on the team. I think he's a very valuable piece. Do the Vikings move away on Laquan Treadwell and go back in the draft and take another guy, or look at free agency? Uh, Michael Floyd was a what we thought a good free agent pickup, not bad, you know, cheap, kind of at the you know the last second type of pickup. Eric Decker is a free agent. That's a name to possibly look at at 31 years of age. The former Gopher star, and he looked good with the Broncos and the Jets for a time there, for a spell, for a spell. Um, I wouldn't be against bringing in Eric Decker. Obviously, he might cost a pretty penny. We'll see. Uh, the Vikings have a good amount of money available. Mike Wallace, I don't think so, even though he did very well with Baltimore. Terrell Pryor, names like that. I'm, again, not thinking too much about wide receiver right now. I think you have at least two very good wide receivers. Uh, they'd have to settle for a third the, the third guy there. Eric Decker, maybe he'd be willing to do that. Otherwise, I like Jarius Wright. And Laquan Treadwell, do you give him another chance? Do you keep him coming? Or do you just say to hell with this guy because he can't get it done? Uh, tight end is an open possibility going into free agency. Uh, do you want to go the direction of what Philadelphia went? They did a good job. Jimmy Graham, the top free agent available, and he was on the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, he had uh, Hurts out there as well who did such a great job and killed the Vikings so badly. Antonio Gates is still playing. Wow, 37 years of age from San Diego. Anthony Faisano, Fasano, I love that name, and he's been around a while. Zach Miller, Wiley, veteran of Pittsburgh for forever there. Uh, Jimmy Graham of Philadelphia, 31, possible, but I don't know. I think might cost a little too much. Uh, you got Kyle Rudolph. You have David Morgan. David Morgan is better than advertised. I think he's a good player. I like David Morgan a lot. I think he can catch, and he obviously can block. Kyle Rudolph, not much of a blocker. He can catch, but his range, his range, Kyle Rudolph's range is weird. It's like he's got rocks in his feet sometimes. So it's like he can't get up. He, you know, Sometimes you see some, some, some athleticism, and then other times it's like it's not there. Obviously, it doesn't help when you have an ankle injury at this and that. But, I don't know, Jimmy Graham would be a wonderful addition. A lot of people have been talking about him as a possibility. But, again, we have a lot of money available. But do you want to put that at a tight end? Or would you like to go for the offensive tackle? Of course, the top guy available there is New England Patriots, Nate Solder. Solder. It's like you want to say soldier, but it's Solder. Uh, he was a recipient of one of the trick plays against the uh, <laughs> Indianapolis Colts years ago. Wide open, as you remember, the, back in the 24th. 14 season, 2015 postseason, so to speak. The New England Patriots got real wacky. Every year they have something going on, uh, changing the eligible receivers. And they had Nate Soldier wide open, was able to just run, you know, lumber into the end zone from about 20, 25 yards out. It was pretty funny. Just ran in there. <laughs> but obviously, a wonderful left tackle. You could be looking at bringing him in at left tackle and, of course, moving Riley Reef over to right tackle. And he could be alongside Mike Remmers. And there you go, you're set at right tackle, you've replaced Joe Berger in that sense, as valuable as Berger is, and then you're hoping and praying that Nick Easton and Pat Alfline are 100% ready to go after some pretty serious injuries, of course, broken ankle that required surgery for Mr. <clears throat> Nick Easton, and of course, a similar situation for our friend Pat Alfline, who came in and was just so valuable this year, uh, faced some so, uh, shoulder injury issues coming in. Uh, late into the season. That was frustrating and it certainly didn't help against the Carolina Panthers as that pass rush had a little they got they, they got to Case Keenum a bit in that game and it didn't help at all. Um, I would love to bring in Nate Solder. Unfortunately, he also has injury issues. Andre Smith is a name you don't even want to think about. Remember the Vikings brought him in a year ago 
alongside Alex Boone, and that was a disaster. Uh, nothing worked out with that group of guys, except for <laughs> except for nobody. Pretty much Joe Berger just hung in there and did what he could. Uh, Fusco, of course, not very well thought of. He scored well on Pro Football Focus, though. Nick Fusco actually had a halfway decent season, according to Pro Football Focus, but mm, I'm not even thinking about that. Um, Cameron Fleming is an interesting one, but he's only 25. <laughs> will, he, will he just be re-signed? Uh, interesting possibility. Justin Poo as well. Poo, I don't know. Poo, I can't say it right. Uh, pardon me. Um, but these are all offensive tackles. Nate Solder is definitely a guy I would try to throw money at and hope and pray you can get him down a little bit because of the injury history. Alex Boone's a free agent again. Yeah, go get Alex Boone. Wouldn't that be great? John Sullivan's a free agent again. Brennan Fusco. I think for guard, you're looking in the draft. Uh, we have a lot of guards, but we need to get another one or two. I think you want to look in the draft. A lot of these names, like there's names out there, but I don't know. Uh, Jack Muhort, Andrew Norwell, obviously that's a really good one. He's the top guy available. But yeah, we're not the New York Yankees. We can't just sign whoever we want, even though we have a ton of free agency and we are an attractive uh, destination at this stage. But, yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, you can't just keep looking at only the top guys available. Uh, John Sullivan, do you bring him back, or does the back issues consider? Uh, do the back issues scare you away? I would lean towards the latter on that one. Alex Boone, don't even think about it. Just wasn't a good fit. <laughs> Pretty uh, an interesting guy at times, but uh, no. Uh, Josh Klein, Josh Sidden, blah, blah, blah. I think you go into the... Uh, I think you go into the draft for the guard position, to be quite frank. I, that's what I believe. I think for tackle, you might look for free agency just like we did last year. And it turned out okay. Uh, the hope is guys can stay healthy. Uh, defensive end, I think it's the draft as well, possibly. You, I mean, you know, there's guys out there. And, of course, you got Daniil Hunter anyway. Who can, you know, he can, yeah, Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter. I think, again, you go into the draft. Uh, Alex Okafer is an interesting one with New Orleans. He's, he's an interesting possibility. Julius Peppers is 38. No. Uh, <laughs> Sam Otro, I like that name. like that name, but obviously he's not one of the top guys, per se. Uh, Okafer, I mean, you know, I thought he did well. I think the Saints were an emerging defense, but do they just bring him back? You know, of course, there's, uh, usually the current team, the incumbent, uh, incumbent is most likely to bring him back. But you never know. Uh, defensive tackle, of course. Again, that's the draft. Tom Johnson is now 33 years of age. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, again, that's a name a lot of us like very much. That's a name that's on the top of a lot of our lists. If you're going to spend money in free agency, it's either, obviously, Kirk Cousins, Sheldon Richardson, or Nate Solder, I think. Uh, offensive tackle, defensive tackle. The whole three technique, three technique, three technique, a la uh, Kevin Williams. You got your Pat Williams, you got your Linval Joseph, he's the 2017 Purple Mafia most viable player for the Minnesota Vikings, but, you know, uh, you got to have somebody play alongside him. Do you just bring Tom Johnson back? I'm guessing no. I think you want to go a little younger and upgrade a little bit, as good as Tom Johnson is. It's kind of sad because he did so well, and you don't and to see him maybe not get rewarded with a decent contract, but you know how the NFL is. Guys do good, they drop off, and it's... Uh, not for long. Yeah, that's one of the uh, one of the very famous abbreviations for NFL. Not for long, or what have you done for me lately? This and that. <sighs> I like Nagata as well, but he's 34 now. He's a veteran. Um, Sheldon Richardson obviously is the guy. If you're going to throw money at a defensive tackle rather than go into the draft, 
try to draft high. And I think the Vikings' first-round pick will be a defensive tackle or an offensive lineman, possibly a tackle but or, or, or a guard. That's my guess. It's one of three things. Again, when you go into the draft, it's gonna. Pro- I think it's going to be a defensive tackle unless the Vikings do end up signing Sheldon Richardson before that. Um, but Sheldon Richardson, again, that's one of the guys you throw a ton of money at. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, Sea Chickens, whatever you want to call them. That's uh, somebody I look at big time if you're look, uh, going into that draft. Uh, linebackers, this and that. Uh, you know, <laughs> you get... You, Emmanuel Lemur, I can't believe he's 28 already, as he was a draft pick a couple of years back. 28? Man, does time fly. Um, mm, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, Michael Motti is a free agent again from the uh, Saints. He did a good job there, actually. Man, <laughs> Malcolm Butler, when you're talking about cornerbacks, I, I kind of want Malcolm Butler, but again, he's up there. He's ranked real high. 28 years of age. He was the hero of the Super Bowl a few years back when he stole away from the Seattle uh, Seahawks. I love that. He was only 25 at the time. Very young and very uh, ready to roll. 24, actually. Man, Brent Grimes is already 34. I don't know about that. Uh, safety is a name, a uh, position that I really think the Vikings need to address. At least a third guy. I kind of like Anthony Harris. And, you know, but sometimes he's just, you know, he's just kind of okay. Nothing wrong with keeping Anthony Harris and bringing somebody in. Maybe you compete. Maybe this, the next guy is even better than Andrew Sandejo, and Sandejo maybe gets uh, limited snaps, this and that. He's been oft injured over the years. Uh, Harrison Smith sometimes even gets, you know, gets banged up a bit. Just remember, he missed significant time in 2015. That was frustrating. He's standing in sidelines, yeah, on the sidelines in full uniform and everything, but, you know, obviously too hurt to get put back in the game, and that was extremely frustrating. <sighs> Safety positions, uh, Corey Graham... Man, I mean, obviously LaMarcus Joyner, that's a huge one. But again, if you're going to throw big money, it's got to be defensive tackle or offensive tackle. I mean, Nate Solder or Sheldon Williams. And, of course, the other name is uh, Kirk Cousins. I'm thinking the Vikings do not wind up with Kirk Cousins. We are his number one choice because, well, Washington is just mediocre. They have not been a very good team for many, 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 many years. They've had promising seasons, 10-6. and six, here and there, nine and seven, and then you get eight and eight and seven and nine, and that's kind of what the Redskins have been the last several years. Uh, Kirk Cousins, a special skills, he hasn't had a whole lot to throw the ball to. Uh, imagining him with uh, the likes of Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, I can imagine why he's so excited coming in. Safety position, I think you got to get a safety somewhere in the you know a developmental guy, possibly in the top three rounds. I would be very happy if the Vikings went that direction. Remember when the Vikings traded up to get uh, Mister. Harrison Smith, remember what a difference that made? I mean, what a difference. That's when Mr. <laughs> Rick Spielman really started to shape this roster and why this team is so good today, because that was some great drafting. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner, this and that, uh, Los Angeles Rams. Okay, again, we're not the Yankees. That's all wishful thinking, going at a guy like that, but it'd be nice. It'd be nice if it's possible. Again, tons of money available for this Minnesota Vikings team, and of course, you got to get to the minimum as well, and I think this team is going to spend more than the minimum. Um, Brzezinski, just a incredible, incredible uh, cap expert with the Vikings. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, just he's done an unbelievable job for the Vikings over the years, and that's why we're in such a wonderful spot. About sixty million available going into free agency. So very excited indeed. 
Again, Nate Soldier, Sheldon Williams, those are two people I want the most going into this uh, free agency. If you can get one of them, I would be very, 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 very happy and just hope and pray to God that Nate Soldier can stay healthy should the Vikings go that direction. Of course, again, Sheldon Williams, you got yourself probably the best defense on the planet. On the planet, uh, again, as long as you can address people in the draft as well, other positions, a cornerback position. <sighs> McKenzie Alexander was disappointing as far as I'm concerned, though he did have some wonderful... Uh, uh, line smashes at the beginning. Uh, he he, he uh, a great route jammer. He's ca- very capable of that. He even had an interception along the way. Uh, he's good at jamming the routes, but on occasion he gets burned and flagged for stupid ass penalties like gro- holding and of course pass interference, stupid crap like that. Uh, some people look at Trey Waynes as a bust. He had a great season though, did Trey Waynes, particularly for what he'd done in the past. He stepped up in a big way, but then in the biggest moment, yeah, down he went again. But then again, you know what? You can complain about everybody in that game. You know, when you see mock drafts saying Vikings got to take a cornerback in the first round, cornerback, of course, to replace Trey Waynes or at least, you know, push him, this and that. Well, you could say that about everybody on the roster. Everybody sucked in the in the uh, NFC Championship game. Who who didn't suck in the NFC title game other than, like, Dillon and... and <laughs> Dillon, there I go. Thielen and Diggs. Thielen and Diggs, who... Who pretty much who didn't suck in that game? McKinnon was really good, but again, I mean, Xavier Rose looked like crap. Harrison Smith looked like absolute crap. It was his worst game as a Viking. He was terrible, uh, a terrible game for the Vikings along the way. Just killed up the middle, which is where the safeties are. Anderson Day, who had his worst game as a Viking, um, you could go on forever. Of course, Trey Wayne's got beat because everybody got beat. Nick Foles kicked everybody's ass. Nick Foles kicked the Patriots' ass. That's a defense that's bend but don't break. It it like it, it it they opened the levees and I don't even want to go into that direction, but that's literally what happened. Again, no offense to anybody from New Orleans, that's not what I mean. Um, it, it was an absolute disaster defensively for the Patriots. So, whatever the Philadelphia Eagles did, thank God we got their uh, quarterbacks coach. As we'll talk about that more in the third segment. It's like I'm going like the first segment we were talking about the season review, and then we can talk about John. Filippo into the third segment, but that is the Vikings offensive coordinator, as those of you know, the quarterback coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. So we can hopefully bring in some of that magic. That'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, so many of these mock drafts, they have the, mostly have the Vikings taking defensive tackles. Uh, Maurice Hurst out of Michigan on one of the CBS mock drafts. Walter Football has the Vikings taking a cornerback. So it, it just gets uh, more and more interesting, this and that. On occasion, I think one of them has the Vikings taking a guard, this and that. So it's like you can go all over the place with the draft. And that's, again, in the first round. But, of course, as you move forward, you're going to see a guard. Or, you know, you're going to see offense and defensive line help, I think, in the first three rounds, at least in that position. Or there's the ultimate possibility that would make me very, very excited. The Vikings do another Teddy Bridgewater-type move. A guy who was supposed to go really, really high in the draft slips down into the upper 20s, and ultimately the Vikings end up just taking him. They end up trading up to 32 and take Teddy Bridgewater. (laughs) What would you guys think of making this move, huh? What would you guys think of uh, going after a Louisville quarterback one more time? What do you think of that, huh? What would you guys think of uh, Lamar Jackson being the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, huh? Lamar Jackson? Well, at least Walter Football right now at this stage has the Steelers taking him 28th overall. Lamar Jackson slipping all the way down to 28th overall. What would you think of that? Would you trade up for Lamar Jackson? Would you at least attempt to? I know other teams might be trying to trade up in that situation. The Steelers might end up taking him this and that. 
But uh, would you consider Lamar Jackson? I would. I would. Uh, we're talking skill level that's off the charts. You're talking an arm and accuracy, this and that. He did not have the best season last year, and that's why he dropped off a little bit. But, I mean, he just reeked of, like, superstar his first couple of years now with Louisville. And I think it's still in him. Absolutely. Uh, Bridgewater dropped off. Remember, he was looked on as the number one pick in the draft going into the, the college season that year, and he wound up being 32nd. After a, you know, a little bit quieter, but still went, went and wound up going in the first round of the draft and still looks like a legitimate NFL quarterback. Could you imagine that? Would you possibly think about Lamar Jackson? I'm guessing the odds of this happening are pretty slim. And the Vikings ultimately stick with their current Louisville quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. That's my guess. That's where the franchise is going. It might end up being the wisest move in terms of free uh, free agent cap money being available long term. And of course, Teddy Bridgewater has special skills. Um, his arm was getting better. It was showing more promise, more accuracy down the field, this and that, later during that season of 2015. I think the ability is there. And plus, during that spring training, or dare we call it, training camp. It's not spring training. I got baseball on my mind. He looked very, very positive uh, over the course of time. Of course, you know, it was preseason, but you still could see the skill. Just like you saw skill out of Randy Moss, you could still see the special skills out of Teddy Bridgewater. And then next thing you know, you hear that uh, trainers rushed to Teddy Bridgewater with an apparent injury situation taking place that August afternoon in 2016. Um, mm, you know, I would not be surprised if a Louisville quarterback is the <laughs> quarterback of the Vikings next year, Teddy, or Lamar Jackson, of course. Um, that would be an intriguing possibility. Only two picks away from the Vikings. See, this one has the Minnesota Vikings taking Isaiah, Isaiah Oliver, cornerback out of Colorado. So all kinds of possibilities. You have defensive tackles going in most drafts. This one they're talking about, again, that Trey Waynes is... A huge liability, and Terrence Newman isn't getting any younger. I don't think the Vikings bring Terrence Newman back. Uh, I think he's reached that point, and if you do bring him back, he would be very much in a reserve role. He would be very limited. Uh, he, he's going to be 40 years old. There's not many 40-year-old cornerbacks out there. Daryl Green was a future Hall of Famer and all that, and obviously a current Hall of Famer, but at the same time, see, I mean, you can't really think about that. <sighs> think about uh, Terrence Newman playing any type of a major role going into next season. Um, I wouldn't get too upset if the Vikings go cornerback there, but at the same time, are you really majorly addressing a need, or are you just kind of bolstering a fairly decent position already and kind of pushing other guys out the door? I don't know. Um, I'm not ready to give McKenzie Alexander major snaps, but at the same time, you have to at some point, or again, you have to again move him on. Uh, one way or the other. I think McKenzie Alexander definitely has promise in this league. I like the way he jams routes. He plays a physical game. He's just got to be more in control. And he got better during the course of the season. Trey Wayne, same thing. He was always flagged for penalties, and he was getting burned, this and that. But I think Trey Wayne is a decent cornerback in this league. Uh, was he taken too high in the draft? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's the other thing to consider when you think about uh, the Vikings situation at cornerback, this and that. Um, I'm... Not sure where to go uh, with that one. I want offensive line help, and I want defensive line help. Three technique, blah, blah, blah. That's something they keep talking about everywhere. But, of course, offensive line help, it, 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 it can only get better. I mean, you don't want it to get worse. Let's just keep making it better. So <laughs> hope hope guys can stay healthy, this and that. That's kind of what you're thinking about 
going into free agency and into the draft. So for me right now, I think that's pretty much where I stand with the Vikings free agency and draft. Uh, address those positions. Safety, of course. Lamar Jackson, oh, it's an intriguing possibility. Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is the easiest one to bring back at this point. Sam Bradford's the scariest in terms of you don't know what's going on. Uh, wonderful special skills by Sam Bradford as long as he's got a line in front of him protecting him. Uh, Case Keenum, obviously, he's got that backyard football mentality that you just love. The arm is lacking. When you're a risk taker and you don't have a great arm, it's kind of scary a little bit. That's what I don't like about Case Keenum. I loved what he brought to this team. I'll never forget it as long as I live. It was so much fun. Uh, I'm not sure <laughs> Brett Favre in his prime could have saved the Vikings in that game, obviously, because the defense took a dump all over themselves. Keenum wasn't that bad in that game, but he did kind of, you know. He showed signs during the last few weeks leading into the postseason and into the postseason of weakness. Um, of course, he'll always be a part of the Minneapolis Miracle. That will never go away. Uh, that's the great part. Uh, but again... I'm not sure the Vikings are ready to commit to Case Keenum long-term. That's just my guess. That's my hunch. And, you know, you read <laughs> you read the tea leaves and all that regarding Case Keenum and, of course, the head coach and the general manager. You don't get this feeling like the Vikings are on the verge of offering Case Keenum nine, uh, five years, $90 million or, or beyond. Uh, he's going to get a huge offer somewhere, possibly the Jaguars, possibly Miami. Who knows? Who knows where Case Keenum will wind up going uh, Houston Texans have a nice quarterback, but he's recovering from ACL injury as well. So not sure where to go with that one. Um, Denver Broncos are a gigantic possibility for Case Keenum. Otherwise, maybe Teddy Bridgewater moves on. But right now, I'm leaning towards the Vikings bringing back Teddy Bridgewater or Bridgewater and Keenum with the franchise uh, franchise tag. They haven't done it yet. It's available right now. Maybe it'll pop up as I look at my phone here, but I don't see it at this moment. Oh, there it is. Yep. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> no, it's nothing pending at this moment with Case Keenum as a franchise tag. If they were in a huge rush to do it, they would have right away. And it hasn't happened. So a couple weeks here as we head into free agency into March. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't. I don't think the Vikings are crazy like that, like $30 million a year. I think he's going to get overpaid for what he is. I think he's a wonderful player, but not a, like, superstar. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is the quarterback of the Vikings more than likely. But again, Case Keenum, it's still possible. Uh, it's tough. It's tough to say what's going to happen with this situation here. Uh, but I'm leaning towards the Vikings bringing back Teddy and signing a veteran backup and the draft. Somebody's going to get drafted. A quarterback will be drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. Will they get interesting and go after Lamar Jackson in the late stages of the first round? Or do we look at somebody else? Well, we'll talk about that in the next episode or so, leading into free agency or leading into the uh, draft preview and all that. We'll have a free agency review and draft preview in the following episode. But now, we're going to hear from you guys. The Fan Interaction segment. The Sought After Fan Interaction segment. And again, the first ever Purple Mafia Hall of Fame inductees and the Gold Star of the Year, Silver Star, and Bronze Stars of the Year. So it's coming right after this. Oh, 
Hi, how's it going, Joe? We're six days from the debacle, the disaster, the bloodbath, whatever you choose to call that defeat in Philadelphia. Um, yeah, I think I'm almost over it, but not quite. Dis- just incredibly disappointing in the way that the defence played out there. Um, it, in essence, fell off the edge of a cliff in those last six quarters of football. Um, I suppose when you kind of start to think about it, did we not have enough depth on the defensive line? You, you look at a team, say, like Seattle, when it, it rolled into two Super Bowls, it had a great rotation. It had great depth in that area. And here's an interesting statistic if you want to talk about it. Um, in the first eight games of the season, 24 sacks. In the second half of the season, 13 sacks. So that implies that clearly the team was jaded going into those last few games. So... A key to next season, more depth on that line. So here we are, off-season, yuck, yuck. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of feeling a little bit more optimistic. Firstly, the the key is they need to get this new OC in place and then the OC, Zimmer and Spielman need to really consider the the quarterback position. Um, When you said Ben... Brill Cream McAdoo, it was like, please God, no. I mean, the guy was the OC in New York, went 6-10, and 10, and they gave him the job. So, clearly the Giants deserved what they got. Two pretty bad seasons. Um, and let's be honest, he was in Green Bay. You and I could be the OC out there with um, Aaron Rodgers in front of us, and we'd look good. So, no thank you. Daryl Bevel, and another one I hear. Hmm... Um, Hard to judge, isn't it, when he was in, in Minnesota in the sense that Childress pl- pretty much did all the play calling. So we don't know what Bevel did, although admittedly going to Seattle, he seemed to do a pretty decent job. But again, you've got Russell Wilson. Hard to judge. I quite like the idea of promoting Stefanki. He's been there since 06. And he's had quite a number of uh, OCs to watch and learn from. So if he can pick apart the best pieces of what they did well, then it could be interesting. And then we move on to the old nutshell, don't we? The quarterback position. What have we got? Bradford, great arm. Case Keenum, great escapability. Teddy Bridgewater, great attitude. Put the three together, franchise quarterback. (laughs) So this is something they really have to consider as a, as a priority. Um, to get that franchise quarterback, which is something we've always been looking for since the days of Fran Tarkenton. So, Sir Francis, if only we could find someone like Sir Francis. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of think, I hope the organisation kind of puts those three guys out with everybody else that's out there now. You know, you've got the likes of Cousins. Some people call him for Cousins. Is he a franchise quarterback? I don't think so. He's not won a postseason game yet. Um, and I don't really want the team paying that kind of money for him. You were talking about um, Drew Brees. The more I think about it, you know, the more I like it. If if the Saints lowball him, why not go out there and pay 27, 28 million? You know, if you franchise Keenum for 23 million, for an extra four or five million, I think we've got a bargain and we've got a legitimate chance next season. Yeah, I'd like to see him draft another QB. Um, but if you can get a, a friendly deal from Teddy Bridgewater as a backup, although I believe he wants to be a starter. It's a problem. 
I do like the Drew Brees angle, though. Um, you know, you, you pay some money, you get a better offensive line behind him because he would need a better offensive line to survive. Um, there are there are possibilities, aren't there? You know, you've got Phelan, you've got Diggs, you've got Rudolph. You've got some very good weapons in front of him. Uh, Dalvin Cook comes back. Hopefully, he'll come back stronger and be more exciting. It's an exciting offense with someone like Breeze in there. I think that's more of a pipe dream, to be brutally honest. Um, but I don't want to be waiting another eight years for another conference title game. I'll be pushing 60. That's a really depressing con- you know, concept or thought. Um, obviously, there's Carl Slaughter as well. I guess he's a developmental quarterback. Well, I'll just have to wait and see where that goes over the offseason. Um, it's difficult, isn't it? I would really like to see us competitive next season. I think you're right. The best option is Drew Brees, if if that is remotely possible. And then, of course, we move to the defensive side of the ball. As I said earlier, defensive line needs more depth, to be brutally honest. I mean, I believe Zimmer said that he also needs to rethink perhaps some of his defensive schemes, possibly. Maybe, maybe some of those schemes were worked out by Philly. I don't know. Um, we need another standout cornerback. Obviously, Newman will be 40. I don't know if he'll be back. If he is, it's going to have to be a limited role. Uh, Trey Waynes, not sold, but he certainly improved this season. So quite a few key pieces required. <laughs> quarterback being the key to that and also protecting that quarterback. Yeah, I'm I'm relatively optimistic but off season's going to be uh, intriguing. Anyway, my friend, as usual, I've probably gone way too long. Super Bowl weekend next weekend. I don't know about you, but I'm not remotely interested at this moment in time. Although I really hope the Patriots win it, purely from the fact that some of those Philadelphia fans were pretty um, disgusting last weekend. Right, brothers and sisters, skull, and let's see where we go in this off-season. Thank you again, Mad Martin. That was awesome. Uh, it's never too long. It's never too long. So <laughs> when, when I say five minutes, it's kind of like a general thing. But certain people, they have that little gold card where they can kind of go longer, and you're uh, you're one of those guys. So <laughs> obviously a, uh, a gold star of the year award winner in 2015, I believe. Yes, yes, Justin Mayor Henry last year, and then he was MIA all year this year because I don't know he got pissed off about certain things not 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 at us or anything just at the NFL with all the nonsense going on and plus he was uh working a ton of overtime to buy more and more and more and more games I think he still listens though I think so god willing out of Colorado Josh Mayer Henry his name's going to be mentioned a little later I think just a possibility wink wink so again awesome call in and of course disgusting uh Effort by the Vikings against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yep, as we backtrack a little bit. Obviously, this call was made in between the Super Bowl and the uh, NFC title game. So this call probably could have gone on the last show. And I, I apologize for that. I don't know if I missed it, got sidetracked something, but still gotten hardcore into the offseason and such as well. Yeah, I mean, as I talked about in the earlier segment and such, yes, uh, the defensive line. It's all about the lines, both lines, offensive line, defensive line. Uh, Delvin Cook, of course, definitely very encouraged and all that. It's like I, it's like I mentioned Drew Brees, and then I kind of 
Don't talk too much about it because it just seems kind of like a pipe dream. But then again, Brett Favre was a pipe dream years ago too. I totally feel you on the whole uh, waiting another eight years or, or more for the next NFC title game. I can't do it either. I'll be I'll be like about 50-ish. I'll be pushing 50. So I won't quite be there. And apparently you'll be pushing 60-ish. Ouch. So yeah, I mean, it's, that's no fun. We're all tired of waiting. Let's get it done soon. Let's get it done right away with this similar group here. Of course, it won't be the exact same team, this and that. Maybe Brian Robinson will be gone. Maybe this guy will be gone. That guy will be gone. So, again, nice to have you on this uh, fan interaction. It's been a huge pleasure throughout the course of the season. Uh, great call-in. It's like, literally like... Does anybody does anybody not agree with me when I say Mad Martin literally sounds like a radio host? He does. I mean, he sounds like a radio host. It doesn't doesn't matter at all, like this or that. Like uh, he absolutely does an outstanding job, and uh, doesn't matter if anybody disagrees, because how could they disagree? You know what I mean? <laughs> There's no way anybody does with that. So that's what I'm trying to say. Is I'm stumbling all over myself. <laughs> oh, but no, um, that was funny how you put the three pieces together. That would form a franchise quarterback. The great arm, the great attitude, and the great escapability. Teddy Bridgewater once upon a time had great escapability, but now I don't know. I think he'll be okay in time. I'm still okay with bringing back Teddy. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Case Keenum. We're still sitting and waiting for the uh, whole franchise tag as he's eligible for the franchise tag at the time I'm recording this now. And it's not happening, and it's probably not going to happen. Um, you never really got the feeling like this franchise was sold on Case Keenum as a long-term uh, fixture at the quarterback position, despite you know some wonderful moments. But, of course, a major drop-off over the course of the season. And, yes, the defense got weaker and weaker and weaker. Very interesting thought. There are only 13 sacks in the second half of the season. That's something there. That's something to talk about. And, of course, the whole three-technique situation. Tom Johnson and such. Uh, Sharif Floyd more than likely is done. So, again... Defensive line will be a focus going into the draft and probably into the offseason as well. Uh, they gave the Vikings, uh, excuse me, they gave some former players some chances last season in the in the training camp and all that Dayton Jones and such, and none of them worked out, unfortunately. And Tom Johnson just continued to stick around, and he did a good job once again. Uh, but now, again, I, I think it's the draft developmental and all that. Probably there will be one quarterback taken by the Vikings. How high and how high hopes will the Vikings have on that quarterback? Will he be a developmental backup or a developmental starter? We're all still waiting. The question mark is still flashing in front of our eyes. You know that cute little question mark when you play a video game or you're watching TV or whatever the heck you're doing? That little orange or yellow question mark, just bing, 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 that's where we still stand. And well, that's how it is. We have no idea what John Filippo wants at the quarterback position, Nick Foles. Sure, I'm sure he wouldn't mind Nick Foles coming here, but how much are you going to pay for Nick Foles? A lot. Uh, Super Bowl MVP, you don't know how quickly Carson Wentz is going to return, so there is a lot of that still floating out there. A.J. McCarron, this and that, Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Kirk Cousins, Drew Brees, or maybe Lamar Jackson. <gasps> Lamar Jackson? <laughs> maybe have a little uh, have a little Louisville duo. A little L2, L squared, start Teddy Bridgewater and bridge into uh, Lamar Jackson. Something like that. Who knows what's going to happen? Teddy Bridgewater might sign with the Miami Dolphins. Maybe the Vikings sign Ryan Tannehill. Who knows? Maybe we're maybe we're fishing. Maybe we're fishing for some Dolphins, eh? Or Teddy Bridgewater's fishing for the Dolphins himself. Well, there were rumors about him going to the Dolphins early last season, even. As early as, like, last season. Um, when he was saying God opens opportunities and such. And there was rumors about him going to... The Miami Dolphins. So, and that was right when uh, 
Ryan Tannehill apparently went out again because the whole ACL thing, why would you not have surgery way back in December? You get it fixed up. You just might even be able to come back in time for training camp, like the end of it maybe. And no, you just screw around and cost the Dolphins the season pretty much and you bring in Jay Cutler. <laughs> pretty funny. Jay Cutler, yeah, isn't that great? That was That was a great move. Awesome. Got a couple more call-ins from Mad Martin, so we'll get to those right now. Hey, Joey. Happy postseason. Well, it's February the 5th. I've just finished watching the uh, the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, a thoroughly entertaining game. Didn't watch it live. Didn't feel the urge. Um, disappointed the Patriots didn't win, to be frank. Um, purely from, I suppose, the historic viewpoint of um, Brady winning six. Um, equally, 505 passing yards. That that was amazing. And they still lost. Um, I suppose... I don't feel so bad about the Viking defence performance now in that uh, com- conference game due to the fact that they carved up the uh, the Patriots as well. Uh, a remarkable achievement with Nick Foles, especially MVP, a guy that was in essence washed up. Um, but it does prove what good coaching can do and what a good game plan can achieve. Um, <laughs> he's the MVP and he's the backup. Which is quite unbelievable. I'll be curious in the off-season if anybody comes in and attempts to trade for him. I guess if you can put him in the right system, he's a legitimate contender to take a team a long way. Um, Don't believe he's a player that I'd want to see in purple, but there you go. I mean, that's more purely because I'm not a fan of system quarterbacks. But certainly looking at uh, Foles in the off-season, he certainly didn't look like a, a system quarterback. Um, I also believe there are rumours circulating that uh, John Filippo, if I've got the name right, um, is looking, or we are looking at him as a potential OC, um, considering the job he's done with Foles. That certainly is interesting news, although I think um, Philadelphia are possibly looking to promote him, if possible, if they can get rid of their OC, but... Um, If we can get him, that could be interesting. And it'd also be interesting if he would bring Nick Foles with him. If the price was right for the Vikings. I kind of do love this kind of postseason where all the speculation at the moment is about who's going to be the next quarterback. Obviously, Cousins is out there as well. Um, Maybe. If, again, it comes down to how much you've got to throw at the guy to get him here. Um, you know, we are legitimate. We've we've got this still got a window of opportunity to do something. Breeze hasn't signed. Again, is that telling? I don't know. So there are those possibilities. It's uh it's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks to see what happens. Uh OC wise, and then obviously on the quarterback issues. Um equally I'm I'm still if they can get Keenum and Bridgewater back for a a realistic price, then perhaps you trundle with that. But yeah, I think I think I'm more on the same page with you guys in the sense that I'd like to see a franchise quarterback here. It'd be tantalising to see what this team could achieve with a a player that could really get the ball down the field and open up everything. Right, that's me. I shall. Be back soon. I look forward to the next podcast, my friend. Hi, Joey. Well, it's um, the latter part of February now, and we're three weeks beyond 
the Super Bowl and into the off-season, and time is rattling past at a remarkable rate. As yet, we've not seen anything on the quarterback front, but we have the OC, D-Flippo. Um, yeah, I think mean, that's a sensible move. Um, very good quarterback's coach, clearly, in Philly, and uh, I was kind of surprised he didn't get the, the job as OC there. Um, I suppose if you look at it, with, with Stefanki being held from moving to New York, you kind of have to read into this, is it a short-term one or two season ish option in the sense of uh, will perhaps Mike, if we have a successful 18-19, um, decide to retire and uh, Di Flippo moves into the uh, head coaching role or perhaps moves on to a uh, another head coaching role uh, and Stefanki gets the option of becoming the um, the OC in a year or two. Food for thought. I see also that Case Keenum will not get the franchise tag. Um, does that imply that they're going to chase... Sorry for the pun. Are they going to go after uh, Mr Cousins? Um, can't say I would be unhappy with that move, but also equally it depends on how much they've got to throw at getting the guy uh, and what cost that would have on the rest of the, the team. So they've been interesting two, three, four weeks, I guess. Um, or the other option is... Have they got a good read on Sam Bradford's condition? Um, if that knee's stable, perhaps you roll with him next season on a, a better deal. And I certainly wouldn't have any problems with that. I, I really loved what he did against uh, the Saints <clears throat> in week one. So that's going to be an interesting ongoing debate. Um, right, so... As to MVP, because I believe you're going to be putting forward MVP, disappointing and most surprising. Um, for me, MVP-wise, could be, of the obvious choice, obviously, is Case Keenum. But um, equally, if you look at some of the catches that the dynamic Giro, Phelan and Diggs put in place this year, they certainly helped his yardage significantly. So for me, if, if I had an MVP, I, I would like those two, to be brutally honest, Diggs and Phelan. I, I think they put some outstanding catches together in the past season. Um, but if I'm pushed on that, I've got to go with Phelan, um, purely from the way that he's improved his game incredibly in the last couple of seasons. You know, from where he started to where he is now. Superb performance. Without a doubt, my MVP. Most shocking. That's easy. The route in Philadelphia. The bloodbath. You know, I think most of us probably felt that would be a grind-out match with um, the Vikings coming out on top. And unfortunately... It wasn't to be. And then we move on to most disappointing. Well, there's a few of those I could list, aren't there? Um, The six quarters of non-defence in the postseason. Very, very, very disappointing. Then we could look at, say, free agents-wise, Mr Floyd. Or Mr Non-Entity. That was a a rather wasted uh, little experiment. Uh, Laquan Treadwell. 20, was it 20 catches in two seasons, first rounder? No, not good enough. Not good enough at all. And then, of course, there was the week four Detroit Dalvin Cook injury. That that was 
Oh, that was a hard one to watch. You know, the guy looked like he could be the rookie of the year. And uh, he went down. So, if I've got to choose out of those, I think I'll go with Delvin Cook. Um, That was a great disappointment. Anyway, I look forward to the State of the Vikings podcast, Jerry. And to all the brothers and sisters out there, skull! Hey, Joey. It's Malcolm here. I just wanted to call in and give a little uh, Minnesota Vikings quarterback situation uh, feel. Well, for me, I get really excited when people start talking about Kirk Cousins coming to Minnesota because he just – He's been in the league for quite a few years now and started and proved himself to be at least a top 15 quarterback. He's not top five or anything, but with this team, I don't feel like we need a top five quarterback. We just need a solid guy, like somebody do what Case did last year. And I understand us not wanting to keep Case because I think last year he did very well, but I think most of it was a product of our our coaching and our team and our wide receivers. Adam Thielen seemed like he was wide open most of the time, and that's a good thing. And um, with Kirk Cousins, I feel like we could be right back where we were last year, have a great season. And when it comes to Teddy, I just feel bad because, I mean, this guy, I liked him from the start, right when we drafted him. I mean, after the Browns draft Johnny Manziel, Manziel goes to Vegas and parties and whatnot, and Teddy just, he gets on a plane and basically lives out of a motel in Minnesota. He gets there right away. I just, I mean, there's probably a lot of quarterbacks or draft prospects that do that, but I just I just liked him from the start, and he's cool, calm, and collect, it seems. He's not throwing for a lot of touchdowns, but he's also not turning the ball over much. And he just seems to he seems to be pretty clutch when it comes to the fourth quarter and touchdown Teddy in the fourth quarter and all that stuff. So oh, I'd hate to see him go. If he does go, I hope he goes to a good team and, and does well. But so the sympathetic side of me wants to see him come back in Minnesota and lead them to a Super Bowl and have one of the greatest sports stories ever but you know we know how that works out last year was kind of felt that way and it didn't happen so i just hope we get the right guy that can make it happen and um let's see teddy goes somewhere great and everybody wins all right thanks joey sorry for the long call cool guys and i can't thank both of you enough for those call-ins uh Mad Martin, of course, multiple call-ins talking about the Super Bowl and, of course, the MVP. Biggest disappointment, biggest surprise. Interesting choices, as always. And, yes, very good choices, of course. Malcolm, his will be listed on the uh, Facebook page. And great call-in, Malcolm, and totally hear you about Teddy there. I've always had a soft spot for Teddy Bridgewater as well. I wouldn't mind him coming back as the quarterback. It's a tough situation where this organization is going to go. And, obviously, you want to throw the big bucks at Kirk Cousins. A lot of people want to... Th- do that. A lot of people don't want to do that. It's a matter of who you can afford and all that. But of course, you got the uh, cap genius in the system here. So we appreciate what he's able to do. Rob Brzezinski, though, uh, he does a phenomenal job with the uh, the whole salary cap. 
but again, again, I mean, you can only do so much when you give a guy thirty million a year. It all matters, and I totally hear about you don't necessarily need a top five quarterback and all that because you have well, again, you have a great defense. Uh, the Eagles found a way to destroy every defense in the history of the planet, as of course Mr. <laughs> Mad Martin said there just before you. Um, crazy. Uh, yeah, the Eagles, it was just a buzzsaw. They were a human buzzsaw. Uh, I couldn't even believe it. Um, I would love to have Teddy Bridgewater back, sure. And is he going to come back as a backup? It's like probably not, and now you're hearing that he's hurt and all that. Uh, you know, not hurt as an injured, but hurt as the Vikings' direction, course of direction. Um, lack of respect, this and that. I posted it on the Facebook page for Purple Mafia. We'll be getting to that in a second here. But again, that's where uh, Malcolm said he he wanted to write an essay. And then he's like, nah, I'll, I'll call in instead. And I appreciate it. I'm glad you called in. And you're always more than welcome to call in. Um, all of you are welcome to call in. So some people are shy or this and that. They're either shy or they don't want to or they don't have time. And that's understandable. Don't have time is 100% understandable. Uh, no one has to be shy, of course. Uh, heck, I mean, in, in real life, I'm a shy person. You know, I'm behind the microphone right now. I feel fantastic. And I sound, as I do here, you can judge how I sound, this and that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, shyness is part of life, unfortunately, for a lot of us. Um, but, no, uh Great call-ins, guys. Really appreciate it. And, well, right now, we might as well hop right into the Facebook page and Twitter account. I may backtrack back and forth with the commentary and all that. Uh, but right now, Facebook and Twitter, here we come. And we'll start with a Twitter account, like always, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. But before we do that, I have to mention something real quick. I'm not somebody that likes to brag or make a big deal about this or that or talk about myself or anything, but super duper quick. This certain podcast right here, State of the Vikings 2018, would mark the 698th show of my podcasting career, which does mean the Saturday show, Brave the Wild, would mark the 700th podcast of my career. So pretty darn crazy. So do listen to that show if you can. I'm not going to make a big, huge hullabaloo about it, but I will be mentioned there. And of course, if you like hockey, hey, the Wild are playing fantastic. So more and more reason to listen to that show, if you could. Podcast number 700 in my career. Pretty damn crazy. I mean, I got a little emotional earlier. And I even posted it about uh, about it on my Facebook page. So if case, uh, those of you probably already know about it at this point. But, uh, well, yeah. As I'm wrapping up this particular show right now in segment number three <clears throat> with the Twitter account, got to mention those of you that retweeted, those of you that were so kind to do that, Mad Martin and four others retweeted the show. Wow, it, uh, it would be James Beck, Sam Gupta, thank you very much, uh, Lakers, Pies and Browns, that's Vinrock, Vince Germano, and Tanae Wilson-Brown out of New Zealand. Thank you guys so much. James Beck out of the UK, Mad Martin out of Northern Scotland. Sam Gupta, I forget exactly where he's from. I can check that out in a second. Uh, Vince Germano out of Australia and Tanae Brown out of New Zealand. So who said I'm not cultured? I go all over the place. Okay, yep, Sam Gupta's from Southern California. Okay, gotcha. My bad, yep, like uh, Malcolm's from Northern Cal and uh, Dylan Richardson. It just shows this, this show and other podcasts they do, Tim Rules Explosion, Brave the Wild, which the numbers took a hit the past week or two because I, I'm not sure why. Other than, I guess, I don't know, like when Purple Mafia goes away, it seems like it brings everything else down. I don't know why. Or when the, you know, when the Vikings go away. It's all about the Vikings. It kind of brings everything else down. So, I don't know. But thanks to those of you. Hopefully this show will kind of rev things up again a little bit. <laughs> but it does show the, uh, the outreach. It's pretty cool. California. Uh, Minnesota, obviously. You hope. Of course, they hate my guts here, right? No, sometimes. Australia, New Zealand. 
uh, the UK, Northern Scotland. It's unbelievable. I've even heard uh, somebody from China, at least one person from China, listens to Rules Explosion. Some people from the Philippines and such. Pretty damn cool. And, of course, Australia is a big backbone of Timberwolves Explosion, without a doubt. And New Zealand, uh, Tanae and Levi Brown, at the very least, out of there. Very cool. And they're two, like, Hall of Famers for that show. So, yes, well, let's continue here. Mad Martin tweeting to Purple Mafia Show says, Most enjoyable podcast night, friend. Of course, that was the Super Bowl review. You do pose a good question or questions with the MVP. Most surprising and disappointing. Uh, I'll have to think on those anyway. I seen, see John Dill, ugh, John D. Filippo <laughs> interviewing the quarterback whisper. Now that's interesting. And indeed, yes. And he did end up getting the job, of course, quarterback coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think things turned out pretty well for the Eagles. <laughs> pretty nuts. Mad Martin wraps up the Twitter section here saying, glad to see they are not rushing to find that OC. So need the right fit. It makes sense to try and hire the OC who made our elite defense look like a paper tiger and yes they did they uh and they made the patriots look like a paper tire too and of course uh like uh mad martin was saying dave martin was saying that uh he doesn't feel as bad and he even tweeted that as well on the previous show doesn't feel as bad because look how you know look how things turned out against the patriots uh it's a bend but don't break defense but still they, they generally do a pretty good job and they just torched them all up. And, of course, it's crazy what Tom Brady was able to do against a pretty good Eagles defense. But even Case Keenum had decent numbers. He he really did. And, of course, the receivers and all that. Uh, just generally, the mistakes, this and that. It's crazy the Vikings only wound up with seven points. But that's what desperation does. You go for it on fourth downs, you normally wouldn't. Maybe you kick the field goal. Uh, poor Mr. Kai Forbath didn't even get a chance hardly in that game. So that kind of turned out the way it did. Let's try to put that in the rearview mirror. I guess we have really no choice to do that. Purple Mafia Show, Facebook page. But first, again, MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven is also on, uh, is a Facebook page that uh, Trevor Wickerin allows me to post links to Purple Mafia Show on that Facebook page. I appreciate it very, very much. Again, Trevor, in-game threads and all that uh, news, this and that. Of course, this time of year, free agency is a lot of fun. And all the speculation, speculation, like they would say on the Paul Allen show back in the day. They still do once in a while. So let's get to the Facebook page of Rural Mafia Show, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. And of course, this and the Twitter account will be in the show description. And again, the <clears throat> phone lines and all that. We'll get to that much later <laughs> as we head into the, uh, the stars and the uh, Hall of Fame induction. Yes, sir, the Hall of Fame induction. But there will be, I'll wrap up this area though facebook and twitter with the stars of this show <clears throat> yep i gotta do that first too but then of course then you'll get the uh ceremonies there the stars of the year and the hall of fame induction and the show wrap-up <laughs> it's still coming up here okay let's get to the point the most recent show purple mafia episode 264 yards yards and more yards and that's what it was it just went on and on and on and on and on and on so let's get to the couple comments in there Mark Carlson out of out of Nebraska. Mark Carlson out of Iowa says Paladino Joey for president. He never takes a day off. I'm excited to listen, but also sad. This is the end of the season. Purple Mafia has made each week of football more interesting and more fun. I will miss the weekly podcast. I'm looking forward to the next next podcast with the team updates and marking the days to kick off 2018. And yes, I can't wait either. It's going to be a lot of fun to keep up with. Uh, the off-season. The, the off-seasons are fun because you're hoping this is it. Retiring up loose ends, improving the offensive line again, which, you know, obviously it was much better. But then it kind of started, you know, things always tend to drop off. Just for whatever reason, guys get hurt or they get figured out, this and that. Football's funny, you know, that way where people, of course, people get hurt, unfortunately. You're banged up 
And again, teams figure this out, they figure that out, and things change. Sometimes they get better. Maybe we're the one that figures other teams out, and that's what you hope things can happen as you continue. Gerald String, these guys will both be... <laughs> these guys will be talked about very soon here uh, <laughs> in a lot of good ways. Of course, even for this show, stars most likely. I think they're both star candidates. Gerald String, Nebraska, says, if you're still having Vikings playoff hangover, you just need to get the emotion, to let the emotion go, pardon me, and let Joey get you back on track. For whatever reason, I am more frustrated this year with the meltdown than normal. And I'll pause here for a second um, because there's a bit more to read. Yeah, I was too because this team looked so good and then you just get throttled again and it's just the same old, you know, I, I was scared to death about going on the East Coast. Why? Why does it always wind up that way? You go to the East Coast and then whammo. Uh, of course, the East Coast back in 87, well, we still lost the game. It was very close and then Darren Nelson didn't bring in the uh, touchdown that would have tied the game, which would not have guaranteed a victory, but it would have given the Vikings a chance to get the victory. The Vikings would have beaten the Denver Broncos in the 87 Super Bowl or Super Bowl of the 87 season, the 80, 88, whatever. They would have won that game. They would have. That Denver team was not ready to win anything. Uh, as good as they were, they weren't going to win the Super Bowl. Not yet. Uh, that Vikings team was pretty solid. Uh, their record was worse than they were because of the strike and all that. Because we had the worst, uh, basically the worst replacement players of all time. <laughs> Other teams won a couple games of their replacement players. Ours were like, we didn't even try. Uh, okay, let's continue. But no, I mean, you get sick and tired of losing these big games, and then here we go. This team looked like they're ready for something pretty special, and then you don't even show up, and it's like, ah, oh, total BS. <clears throat> so we continue. Gerald Swing says, I don't want to quit hating, I don't want to quit hating our team for the lack of preparation, yep, and humiliation they put us through when our expectations were at the highest, were at their highest. With that being said, it's time to move on. This is our team, and we all know who we're pulling for next year. Of course, starting to think the draft of the draft and who our next quarterback will be. It's kind of exciting. Face it, Zimmer will find one or two pieces that will make the defense stronger and likely continue working on that offensive line. Many pieces are in place, as Brett Favre would say. I say screw that pencil neck Colin Coward. Yep, Colin Coward instead of Cowherd. Yep, it's Colin Coward. <laughs> Anyone who can hide behind a mic and throw rocks at guys that could rip your head off just looking at you the wrong way. Yep. Without being too politically correct, he's what we're used to, what we used to call a, a pecker head. Woo! Yep. Whoops, this got long. Rock on, Purple Mafia Nation. Joey, and thanks. Skull Joey, and thanks for the show and for keeping this motley crew we call the Viking fans together. And without a doubt, and thank you very much, Gerald. Definitely star candidates for both of you guys there. And now there it is. The Vikings were to hire the uh, Eagles quarterback coach, John D. Filippo. John D. Filippo. Not Filipino Filippo. <laughs> Sebastian Barton is not impressed. But yeah, that's Sebastian. <laughs> and it's okay. I completely don't mind uh, Sebastian bringing in a point of view that's different from... Because, I mean, you don't have to wear purple and gold shades for every little thing. Some people do. I don't really get that vibe on this show. Like other shows, other podcasts, other Facebook pages out there. Every little thing the Wolves do, everything the Wild do, everything the Vikings do. Oh, I like that there's honesty here and there. Not everybody has to agree with everything. I'm intrigued. I'm encouraged by the hire of John D. Filippo. I'm intrigued and encouraged. Doesn't mean he's the perfect hire. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. Well, I, I will sit down and let it... Let the chips fall as they may. I mean, what else can we do at this point? It's not like I can just push a button and say, no, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, no. 
nope, we we don't want John Filippo. We got to go with some other guy. We got to get, uh, we got to, <laughs> we got to bring Brian Billick out of retirement. Bring Daryl Bevel back. Whatever it is, I wouldn't have minded Daryl Bevel to be quite frank. But Sebastian posts uh, information about John Filippo. He says one good year. What else has he done? And look where he's done nothing. Wow. So yes, interesting conversation there in <clears throat> John Filippo's career. He's also very young as well, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi. Sebastian Barton is local now. He was uh, Mankato, which is still pretty close anyway. But uh, Cedric Paulding says, I actually like this hire. I'm hoping he brings the Eagle playbook with him also. He worked under two Super Bowl winning coaches, Tom Coughlin, yep, the Giants, and Doug Peterson. He's young and should have and uh, shouldn't have a hard time messing with the young players. So, yes, there's that. Uh, remember how was his name? John Gruden was like a young up-and-comer the way he was, and he had a great career for the most part. Things dropped off a bit in the last year or two with Tampa Bay, but still, now, of course, he's got a 10-year, $100 million contract with the Oakland-slash-Las Vegas Raiders here. So, going to be interesting. Or as an old friend once said, going to be interesting. So, Gerald String out of Nebraska says... He's got a pretty good resume on helping Derek Carr and Carson Wentz. Coach, uh, he, he coached uh, Nick Foles through the playoffs and Super Bowl. I liked his interview on KFVN. Looks for three things in a quarterback, decision-making, timing, and accuracy. Well, yeah, pretty simple. Will be interesting to see who ends up pushing Zimmer for it when it comes down to figuring out the quarterback situation. I guess it boils down to, to I trust Zimmer and Spielman. In my opinion, they've done a pretty good job bringing in talent and has kept us a top 10 contender for three years straight now, minus the meltdown last half of last season. <laughs> Think the O-line overhaul solved that little problem. No reason why we can't be back in the playoffs next season. And yeah, absolutely. The schedule's going to be much harder, and it always is, and it's hard to win back-to-back -back division titles, and it's hard to get back to the NFC title game. We're still waiting on the Vikings getting back to back-to-back -to -back NFC title games. It would be the first time it's ever happened, which is really frustrating. Let's uh, change that, eh? Let's change that. Can we, please? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Like, oh, I wish that. Oh, I wish that. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, that would be great. Mm -hmm. ah, that would be great. Okay, so I was talking about, yep, yep, the state of the Vikings, annual Megasode. Here we go. MVP, biggest surprise, all that. I'll get to that next. I'll get to that next. I'm going to go to the Teddy Bridgewater brief thing here. Teddy Bridgewater told teammates he feels hurt by the Vikings' lack of respect. This is from NFL.com and other uh, uh, publications and such. But that's where it first started from NFL.com. Of course, they have many, many, many uh, bloggers and, and uh, columnists and all that on NFL.com. And, of course, they should. They're, it's a pretty damn big publication. Malcolm McSween out of Northern California says, I started writing basically an essay about this. So I erased it all and decided I will just call in. So much to say. I thank you very much. Great call in, Malcolm McSween. Super-duper star candidate. Kurt back out of White Bear Lake says, I agree. I think he should feel hurt. At least give him some kind of chance. You just never know. And I would love to have Teddy back. I have a soft spot for Teddy Bridgewater, like I said a few minutes ago. I have a soft spot for Teddy Bridgewater. I, I like him a lot. He's smart. He's clutch. He's solid. When people say he's not clutch, it's not really his fault that the offensive line protection completely collapsed in front of him against Arizona. Oh, he choked. Well, you you could say every quarterback choked. Every quarterback, like Tom Brady choked when he got strip-sacked in the Super Bowl. Did he, though? Or was the defense just good, right place, right time, and the protection not there when it, when it needed to be most? You know, you can say every quarterback choked. It's not true, necessarily. Uh, Tom Brady threw 505 yards. He did not choke, okay? 
Tom Brady did not choke in the Super Bowl. He played an MVP level like we've never seen. I mean, he would have been a no-brainer MVP in that game. And it's, they still almost won. Just imagine, they still almost won that game. Mark Carlson out of Iowa wraps up this section, says, I've always liked his game, him being Teddy Bridgewater, of course. He has a special way, but is he 100% game ready? If, or excuse me, is he NFL durable? I just don't know. And we don't know, unfortunately. That's the sad part. It, I hope so. I they're say, They say he is. The doctors cleared him and everything. The, the team must be fairly confident that he's ready to go. What's going to happen? I don't know. Um, I was afraid some news was going to break while I was piecing this show together, so to speak, but it hasn't happened, so I'll get this show out before any free agency news, and we'll have our free agency and draft show coming up uber soon, in the next few weeks at the very least. Now we go to the major presentation here when it comes to fan interaction with the uh, MVP and all that. You already heard Mr. Uh, Dave Martins earlier in the calls. Of course, Dave Martin, Malcolm McSween, star candidates for the show. Mark Carlson jumps in and starts this off saying, I usually try and make one call in a year, and I was going to call in for this episode, but here I am typing away in my cozy room as the north wind howls outside tonight. Here are my selections. MVP, number seven, Case Keenum for his stepping up and making, where did I go, making it, <laughs> making it happen, <laughs> play when Bradford went down, especially for his deep threat capability. Something the Vikings have lacked for ages. Disappointed, being burned in the last six quarters of the season. But as you suggested, Paladino Joey, to keep it to players. And, and it's okay either way. He said, I guess I will select number 11, Laquan. Treadmill. Treadmill. That's funny. <clears throat> Second year and pretty much a no-show with 20 catches in a season and a measly 200 yards. Of course, the biggest surprise was the injury to number 33, Delvin Cook. As anyone... As anyone can go down for any reason at any time. We all know that. But I was stunned when Cook was putting up good numbers and went down. Lastly, I would like to say with complete sincerity, thank you to Joey Wygen and Dylan Richardson for putting the effort into the SportsStuff.com and Purple Mafia show. Thank you very much. Uh, great refuge in the land of social media to follow my team. Mark from Iowa. Yep, because the social media can be kind of, yeah, we, 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 yep, it's a mess out there. It really is. Um, Mark Carlson says, I have no idea why this link was attached to my comment. Please disregard it. And I said, 10-4. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, sometimes stuff just pops up. I don't know. Like when you just type out something, it brings up something else sometimes with the uh, .coms and such. Gerald String, of course, out of Nebraska, says, well, since I can't just ditto Mark, his are spot on, but we'll have to come up with some uh, additional ones. Rookie of the Year, Pat Offline. So, yep, that's good. Yep, it's good to throw that in there, too. That's an addition. MVP, Riley Reef. Yep. O-line improvement had biggest impact on a better offense. Not sold on Remmers. Seems to struggle in big games. And, of course, he got hurt a lot. Yep, <laughs> I just added that part. Against tough competition and seems like he can't stay healthy. Yep, there you go. Seems like he can't stay healthy. Your thoughts, Joey? He can't stay healthy, and it's frustrating. Um, but when he was healthy, okay. He was okay. Just okay, though. Um, I think we can do better. I wouldn't... I mean, obviously... He's here now, and we got to make the most of it for the time being. Obviously, give him another chance next year. Uh, when he was healthy, he was okay. And when they put him in the right position, he was okay. Right tackle or right guard. Do not put him on the left side because you will fail. You will fail on the left side. And, of course, injuries to Pat Elfline and Nick Easton screwed that up majorly. Um, you don't count on both of those guys, the center and the left guard, to get a, to get hurt. That's That really threw a monkey wrench into everything, and that sucks hardcore. Uh, disappointment? Besides what Mark said, couldn't lock down home field advantage. Yep, 
I think it might have had an impact on the season in losing Cook so early for the season. Yes, that Detroit game caused so much damage to the season. Of course, Cook getting hurt and losing home field advantage. That game officially was the one that did it. Uh, the Carolina game was bullcrap too. And yeah, that's where we first saw the impact of losing Nick Easton, what it uh, what, what it caused for this team. It was very, very disheartening. Uh, he says, for biggest player disappointment, Michael Floyd. Yeah, that guy, ugh. The guy hardly showed up. Hate to give up on these player rehab projects, but it just doesn't seem to pan out for us. Yeah, and once in a blue moon, but uh, the whole Kamucha tea, yeah, give me a break. That was just an early sign. It was just another Demetrius Underwood or, or, or uh, uh, I don't even know anymore, Corin Robinson. He was great for a year, and then the next year, whatever, you know, same old crap. Biggest surprise was the miracle play when I had given up, and it felt like it too. After Eagles game, I barely remember that, though. It was cool in the moment when it happened. Thanks for keeping the show rolling, Joey. You're a real trooper for approval, Mafia Nation. Much impre- much appreciated, and thank you very much also, Gerald Sring. Oh, when the print is so small in this, sometimes I can hardly see. It's frustrating. Kurt, back out of Lakeville, says Keenum. Biggest surprise, losing to the Eagles, disappointment. Yep, so, yeah, and Keenum was a big surprise. As for Kurt's uh, MVP, he said, I'd have to say Keenum for MVP. Quarterback is most important. I'd love to hear what your choices are, Joe. And they definitely were mentioned earlier <clears throat> at the in the first segment. Malcolm McSween wraps up this section. It says, MVP, Xavier Rhodes. I think he's easy a top three cornerback in the league. And defense becomes a lot easier when having a player like him. It really does. It has, it, it has effects. It makes the run stopping easier because... You don't have to have guys play back, you know, to kind of keep up with the cornerbacks and such. And obviously, if the cornerbacks can't guard anybody, the passing game is going to go ape leap. But then again, the safeties can focus on the run if need be as well. If the cornerbacks are that good, able to lock down, the safeties can focus on the run a bit. And that's where your rush defense was so good. The, and your cornerbacks are so good because the run defense is good. And this and that. It has effects. It's a, It doesn't have to be a terrible seesaw. It could be a great team effort and crush people. And that's what this defense did until... Philadelphia. Yeah, which again, we're still not sure what happened there. I'm still not sure completely. Disappointment, Daniil Hunter. Not any serious concerns that I really thought with him starting, he would produce more. And I did too. Surprised Adam Thielen over 1,000 yards. Absolutely. What an amazing season from Adam Thielen. <clears throat> last year was the first year, okay, 2016 when I say last year, was the year when Thielen first really stepped up and looked different. It was pretty exciting. But all, overall, great thoughts. All of you, thank you very much for your participation participation. No, participation in this show. I like throwing stuff like that in. Participation. Thank you for your participation on this show. It's greatly appreciated. Your participation. I, I resemble that remark. Right? Okay. See, sometimes it's okay. Just just leave stuff like that in because it's fun. Yeah, something to laugh at, isn't it? Participation. Participation. This is the Participation Purple Participation Podcast. Say that about 10 times and see what happens. <sighs> oh, boy. Okay, the stars for this podcast, for this... Pers- <laughs> see, now, now, see, look what I've done to myself. For this specific show is the gold star for this specific show. It's going to go to Mad Martin and Malcolm McSween are going to share that gold star for this specific show. Oh, <laughs> I keep thinking I'm going to mess that up again. Pacific Ocean Show. This this Pacific Show. (laughs) Yes. Gold Stars. Malcolm and Mad Martin. Silver Stars. The Star of Stars are going to go 
Gerald Sturing and Mad Martin. Bronze Star will go to uh, <clears throat> Sebastian and Cedric are going to ring in the Bronze Stars. Where's Dave Hickey? Where's the Where's the comment? Dang it! Well, Kurt actually, Kurt. Yep, Kurt, Kurt, and uh, Kurt and Kurt and uh, Cedric should ring in the Bronze Star. Um, <laughs> I'm still thinking about all that funny stuff. I lost my mind. I'm sorry. Can't help it. It's what happens when you work too much overtime, too, right? A. Eh? So what happens when you work too much overtime? You start losing your mind. You start getting weird and silly. So before I get too weird and too silly, it's time for the great presentation. The star of stars. The stars of stars and all that for the season. And then, of course, the Hall of Fame induction. And we'll wrap the show up. Here it comes, baby. Get ready. Let's rock and roll. for the awards segment, the long-awaited awards segment, the annual Stars of the Year, and we wrap up the show with the first ever Purple Mafia Hall of Fame class. Now that this show is 10 years old, we can have a Hall of Fame. It's time to do it. It's time to start putting people's names on a plaque, at least, uh, you know, in electronic plaque, we'll call it, I suppose. So again, thank you all of you very much for a wonderful, wonderful season and a wonderful 10 years. I'm not stepping down. I'm not going away. Maybe just for a little bit here and there because it's the off-season. This show tends to quiet down, and that's the way it goes. So let's start with the stars of the year. We will start from bronze to silver to gold, and then we will introduce the first-ever six inductees into the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. The stars of the year, we will start with bronze. The awards will go to Brett McCarthy out of South Dakota, Mark Carlson out of Iowa, and Gerald Sring out of Nebraska. Silver stars will go to two people as well. Josh Mayer Henry out of Colorado, the, uh, the brother of Justin Mayer Henry, Gold Star of the Year last year. Mad Martin will ring in the Silver Star of the Year. He's won a Gold Star. He's won Silver Stars. <sighs> yep, <laughs> he's been a Star of Stars for for a while now. Um, not as long as some of the some some others, and that's yep. We'll uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But an amazing run. What an amazing amazing uh, job all of you have done. Every name that I'm mentioning here has been spectacular to the show for so long. But an individual who's been with the show for an extremely long time and deserves recognition and had a fantastic year and introduced us to his son Caleb a bit on the Purple Mafia page and talked about the Steel Wolves. The Gold Star of the Year will be going to South Dakota's own Tony Coleman. Congratulations, Tony Coleman. You are the Gold Star of the Year Award for the 2017 season. It's been a wonderful friendship he's brought to this show and to myself. Thank you again very much out of South Dakota. Most of you I've never met, unfortunately, but it's been, you know, it's been a great, it's been a great time knowing you, and I hope our friendship continues to build over many, many years to come. I've just really, really appreciated what all of you have brought. Um, we've all had, we all have different thought processes, different political uh, leanings, this and that, but we're all friends at the end of the day. We're all skull brothers, skull family, this and that. And the best part is we're not rubes. We don't just we don't just wear purple and gold shades. That's what I like about this group of people right here. There are so many groups out there. They just worship the team. They can't criticize anything. And if you dare say anything, you're the biggest jackass ever and we got to curse you out and get the hell out of our group. Don't ever show your face here again. What are we, the brown shirts? We don't have to be like that. So, no, <laughs> we don't have to act like that. 
Um, that's what I like about all of you. Thank you very much for bringing such class, such dignity, such respect, and such passion to the Purple Mafia page. Tony Coleman, thank you again very much. Josh Rear, Henry, Mad Martin, Pr Brett McCarthy, Mark Carlson, Gerald String, to the Purple Mafia show, not just the page, obviously their Twitter accounts, and of course this fan interaction segment, which has become very popular over the years. I always wondered if people liked it or not. Apparently they do, because it's got that little magic ingredient stirred into the, to the recipe. It's called love. We all, you know, it, we... There is a relationship between hosts and listeners to this show that is very rare, I, I think, in the podcasting world. And I appreciate you guys very much. And I've noticed a lot of you tend to get along very well as, uh, at the same time. Uh, Tony Coleman, very deserving of the Gold Star Award for 2017. It's not just some, oh, you know, he's been around a long time. Let's give him the Gold Star. No, he truly earned it this season with just fantastic posts. Uh, really entertainment with the young man, Caleb, as well. Thank you very much, Tony. And again, again, I, I do appreciate everything you brought to this show for many years. So now it's time. It's time for the Hall of Fame inductees for 2017, or should we call it the 2018 class? song we all hope represents the Minnesota Vikings one day, the presentation of the Vince Lombardi Trophy. It is a song that recognizes excellence, and today I play that song to recognize the excellence that is bestowed upon this show. I can't thank the six of you enough for being such an integral part to the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. Those of you that are going in will be because of your longevity, your excellence, your class, and your friendship to the show. And again, <laughs> your regularity to this show as well, sticking around, not not leaving, not going for not going away for stretches and coming back, which people do. You know, you have the freedom to do that. But those of you that have stuck around the whole time have been just fantastic, and that's why you'll be the first six to enter the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. In the future classes, it'll be groups of four. And those of you that are not named today, there's absolutely a strong chance you'll be in next year. Some of you, it's like plain as day. You know you're going to get in next year. You know you will. But I have to start from the beginning. Purple Mafia show started in April 2008. The Paladino Live show started on January 28, 2008. Ten years ago. Pretty exciting. It's been that long. And that's where things all started with Dylan Richardson of thesportstuff.com. The executive producer of thesportstuff.com. Um, he brought me over. To the page and and encouraged me to start a podcast and here I am today all these years later still on the sportsstuff.com things have changed quite a bit over the years some shows have come and gone this and that now things have gotten quiet on the page but luckily I'm still there and a couple other shows as well uh, people are welcome to start their shows and join the page if they want to there's always that uh, Dylan's gotten busy so I haven't heard from him as much of late hopefully he's actually listening to this right now but Dylan Richardson is the very first inductee into the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. Thank you again, Dylan Richardson, for being a, a great friend over the years and for bringing me into the podcasting world. Uh, that's the guy that got me going. And again, thank you again so much, Dylan Richardson. Number two, a guy that was once known as Twineball on the SportsStuff.com message boards. Tony Coleman, the Gold Star of the Year for 2007, will be the second Hall of Fame inductee into the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. Without a doubt, great friendship over the years. He's been so loyal. He's always been there. 
ever since back then, he never got mad and disappeared. You know, we may be different politically a little bit, and that's fine. But he never got mad, disappeared, this and that. He always stuck around, and he's a, he's a great fan of the Vikings. But he's also not one of those crazy purple and gold shade type of fans, this and that. So, again, thank you again very much. I should backtrack a teeny bit. Dylan Richardson is a Bears fan, but he's, he, he makes me like Bears fans. Packer fans and Lions fans piss me off a lot more. Um, Dylan Richardson is out of Northern California and all that. So he's he's the only non-Vikings fan necessarily uh, of this group that's going to be in the Hall of Fame here. But um, there's a reason why, obviously, the... Uh, <clears throat> executive producer of the sportsstuff.com to get the whole thing started. So how could he not go in? And plus, he's been on the show uh, a few times in the past. Tony Coleman is more than welcome to call in any time as well or do an audio submission. It's always been greatly appreciated. A guy that's done many call-ins over the years, and it's also he's also worked for security with the Vikings, you could say, at the Metrodome and at U.S. Bank Stadium. And that is a guy out of the Lakeville area, Brent Jacobson. He is joining the Hall of Fame today as well. Met him in 2009 on Twitter. Actually, during the uh, NBA draft for 2009. So I first knew him talking Timberwolves with the uh, Timberwolves Explosion, of course, a podcast that still stands today all these years later. Brent Jacobson, a great guy. Um, uh, obviously, all of us have slightly different political opinions. His are pretty close, but not all of them, certainly. And, you know, I don't even know why I'm even bringing that up. Uh, it's more of just he's a great Vikings fan. Again, he's also been so entertaining with his call-ins. He, he's, he's got that sarcastic sense of humor. He likes to joke a lot. But he also has great knowledge of the game. And I appreciate Brent Jacobson. Sometimes he disappears a bit, but that's okay. He's, he's been around for a long time, and he deserves to go in. Number four is a guy that I didn't know he was around as long as he was. He's been around since about 09, uh, almost back to the beginning as well, a lot like Tony Coleman and Dylan Richardson. A guy out of Nebraska, uh, just a great guy, that's Gerald String. He is joining the Hall of Fame today. Again, the longevity and all that. Thank you again for your loyalty for many years and your regular posting and just such passion, such knowledge of the game, and such uh, absolute... <laughs> absolute uh, loyalty and friendship to this show. Again, I can't thank you enough. He enjoyed a lot of those uh, beers with the uh, tall grass and all that. He was a little mad at them when things went uh, when things changed. Now, of course, it, it wasn't like tall grass kicked me out. It's that they laid some people off that was that were connected to me, and that's how things started with tall grass. And then all of a sudden, those people got laid off, and they made some weird changes and all that. And th sometimes things just happen. So, but again, thank you again, Gerald, for your loyalty, and I, I hope you enjoyed those beers. And they made some weird changes too. Uh, Zombie Monkey's gone. Ethos is gone. I don't know what the hell happened with that, but very strange. Um, good taste, though, Gerald String. I hope you enjoyed those. And again, thank you again for such a great friendship over the years. Number five is a guy who's been on this show in the past as well, a significant amount of times. <laughs> he, had, he is a very opinionated, opinionated young man. He's a well-traveled young man. He's been all over the place. Uh, he's lived in Seattle. He's lived in Mankato. He's lived in... Uh, the southeast suburbs, kind of close to Brent Jacobson. I believe he's met Brent Jacobson in the past, and that's a young man that is well known to many of you to this show over the many years now. He's been around since about '09, and that is uh, Sebastian Balls. Sebastian Balls slash Sebastian Barton. He is entering the very first class of Hall of Fame, first ballot, so to speak. Though these were the guys that were on the ballot, and they're all getting in, basically, you could say, at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have a voting committee yet. I'm the chairman of the board, and that's it. I'm there. I need some uh, 
some uh, board members as well, but absolutely deserving these six people that are getting in today. Uh, Sebastian Ball's well-traveled, entertaining person, very strong personality. Um, congratulations also. He's, he's uh, bringing a, a child into the world with his uh, fiance Amber. They're about to get married very, very soon and start a family, and good luck to them as they move back to the Twin Cities again. Uh, Sebastian, very, very good, good person. Uh, crazy a little bit, but so am I. You know, that's the thing. We're, 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 me and Sebastian are very alike. We're extremely opinionated. We get pissed off, but then we're like, you know what? I love you so much. You know, even though, <laughs> finally, you know, occasionally we had very brief arguments that lasted about two minutes and then everything's perfectly fine, but that's life. You know, we all argue. Um, again, thank you guys so very much. Uh, for that. And again, congratulations, uh, congratulations to Sebastian Bowles on bringing the, uh, new person into the world. Number six will be the very first gold star winner of the year ever. And he comes in from Iowa. He has been a wonderful friend of this show. Again, loyalty, uh, regularity, consistency, and great passion and knowledge of the game as well. Always around, always there. And, you know, he's a guy I'd love to meet. And I'd love to meet all of you, quite frankly. I'd love to meet all of you, every one of you. Uh, we all live far away. We live in different parts. Of course, Sebastian and Brent are closer but again, busy schedules, this and that. You know, sometimes I'm too busy and that's stupid. I'm, I shouldn't be as busy as I am. Sometimes I should make time and that's my own fault as well. Uh, distance sometimes shouldn't be a boundary, but a lot of times it is because, well, we all work our butts off. I don't think anybody here doesn't. Uh, so it kind of is what it is there. But the man from Iowa, the very first inductor out of Iowa will be Mark Carlson, of course. Uh, the 2012 Gold Star of the Year, the very first ever. Again, he is joining the Hall of Fame class in the first uh, first group. And again, thank you again for a great friendship for many years. Mark Carlson, uh, military veteran, I believe in Iraq, number one there in the in the early 90s, 91-ish, 90, 91-ish. Um, thank you again for serving this country. Thank you uh, always for the great friendship, the great personality. Um, just you, you could tell he's just a great guy, and uh, boy, he, he's he's got good taste. Loves to grill and and have some beer on the side as well with it. Cool guy down there in Iowa. Can't wait to meet him one day. Uh, and uh, can't thank you enough. So there is your 2018 first ever Hall of Fame induction. All six: Dylan Richardson, Tony Coleman, Brent Jacobson, Gerald String, and Sebastian Barton slash Sebastian Balls, Mark Carlson. Rings in number six, and it doesn't necessarily mean in order, but it's like as long as I've known them and such, you could say this and that, and as long as they've been around the show and such. So thanks again, Tony Coleman and all of you for being a part of things. Tony Coleman was actually the very first person I identified as a listener outside of, uh, you know, just like, say, Dylan Richardson or something, or somebody that I knew before the show. So he's actually the very first one. So easy choice to get in the Hall of the Fame, and again, the loyalty all these years. Thanks again, everybody, and God bless. With that, we can wrap up this State of the Vikings 2018. Again, I can't thank those of you enough. And again, those of you that didn't get in this year, there's a couple of you that's like 100% chance you're getting in next year. So don't worry. Just wanted to recognize the earliest people first, you know. So <laughs> some of you, it's like a no-brainer and you know who you are. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. It's plain as day you're getting in next year. So don't worry. <laughs> and some of you just two years from now as well. Because it's like you can't put everybody in at the same time and then, then where's the fun in the future? So, because it's not like a billion people come in every year. So, just, just you know, little groups here and there kind of come and some people disappear right away and that sucks. Wish they'd hang around longer. It would be greatly appreciated if they did. Or they just pop in like once or twice a year and it's like, what can you do? So, let's wrap the show up here with the contact details at Purple Mafia Show as mentioned earlier. 
Uh, again, is the Twitter account, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Go there. Again, MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven is a place I recommend in-game threads, off-season news, uh, during-the-season news, this and that. Great page. Can't thank Trevor Wickerman enough for allowing me to post links of uh, to the Purple Mafia podcast on that page. Thank you again, or Purple Mafia Show, whatever you want to call it. Let's get to the phone lines, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877, it is a voicemail, do treat it as such, mention you're calling in for the Purple Mafia show, do your statement, shout out, comment, question, and opine, it's a three minute limit, There, it just automatically stops after three minutes, so that's a little hint out there, uh, there's the uh, call now button on the Facebook page, goes to the same number through Facebook Messenger, so you don't have to worry about any type of... Uh, long distance or anything like that you just jump in join that way as long as you have any type of wi-fi connection or data connection of any sort you'll be on and then the other route is the audio submission route which is what mad martin uses and that's one of the reasons he gets the gold card as well but again he's just so damn good he could he could host a show if he wanted um absolutely spectacular uh (laughs) hint hint again you know what i'm talking about there about the hall of fame yeah (laughs) pretty obvious he's getting in so i i know and look at me letting the rabbit letting the cat out of the bag but well duh right (laughs) yes duh so um again that's how you get in the audio submission route is using a free voice app on any smart device on the planet. Just use it. Treat it like a phone call. Keep it to five minutes, maybe longer. I mean, who knows? Sebastian Barton, Mad Martin easily have the uh, green card or gold card part of me to go as long as they want. Well, maybe not like two hours or anything, but I'm sure they don't want to do that long anyway. But you get the idea. Most people don't want to go that long anyway because they have, they're doing something else probably. Um, so uh, that's how you do that. You You save it. You email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. Again, everything there that I just mentioned, the group, the email, all that will be in the show description for copy and paste purposes if need be. Makes it very easy. I will convert it from whatever. Usually it's M4A when they come from phones. Convert it from that to an MP3 file so I can get it into Audacity and put you right on here in the third segment, Fan Interaction, so everybody can hear you, if that's okay with you, right? If that's okay with you. (laughs) I'm sure it is if you call in. Don't be shy. Please don't be shy. You know, nobody's making fun of you. Nobody's making fun of you. Don't ever worry about it. Just, uh, you know, and if you ever need me to do a teeny tiny bit of editing, just let me know. Maybe send a uh, a message on Facebook or text or tweet, you know, message on Twitter, whatever others, private messages on there. Not too difficult for you to do there. So with that, I want to thank you again. God bless all of you for another wonderful season of Pearl Mafia. We'll be back to continue a free agency conversation into the draft and all that as we head to the warmer months, slightly warmer months coming up. Things will start warming up a little bit. We're literally turning the corner. That's why the daylight is growing rapidly right now. We're literally turning the corner here in February into March. So again, thanks for all of you for listening to the show. Can't wait to talk about free agency. Can't wait to see what the heck is going to happen. It's going to be fun to follow into the offseason or into the into free agency and into the draft. So until then, take care, God bless, and we'll be back not too long from now. <laughs>